Cool. All right. I got now that we've talked it. about fingers in our mouth, it's time to do the show. Fingers in your mouth means it's time to do the show. So let's go. Everyone, welcome to Sneaky Dragon. Oh, oh my hi. name is David Dedrick. Uh, what are we doing this? Yes, we're doing the show what? now. Now we've started. Oh, wait, I, we, it's, norm- it's we normally do this on Thursday. Why are we doing this now? Because you asked me to. Oh, I did. And I am a flexible person. I am a good partner and friend. <laughs> you know what? Good for you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Ian Boothby. <laughs> yes, you are. Did you clearly state your name off the? Top? I hope I did. Okay, say it again. David I'm really sorry for interrupting you the last it's time. It's okay. Okay. Did you say it clearly after I that? Try, I try. I tried right. my best. All right. He's, he's, this is David Dedrick. <laughs> or as I like to say it, David Dedrick. Yep. Dead by Dawn? Dead by Dawn. Okay. Dead by Dawn. I, uh, Happy Halloween, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Dead by Dawn. I had to um, I had to go in and state my name clearly today. I had to get a passport Okay. at the U.S. consulate here in Vancouver. So you were going to, now if I'm getting this right, you were going to Flavortown, and so you needed the passport. Flavortown, that's right. Going to Funky Town. I said I need to... Yeah, no, I needed to, My passport's been expired for a while, and every time I went across the border, yeah. the border guards helpfully pointed out that my passport had expired. And they show them a little leg, and they let you go through. I show them a lot of leg, actually. And so, no, that, I mean, it's just for identification. So you they're know. letting you go through the border with no passport. No, well, I mean, yeah. I have How? A, what do you What do you use? My my U.S. passport. I mean, going into the U.S., so okay. I, I'm a U.S. citizen. They cannot They cannot turn me away with an expired passport. With an expired passport, yeah. Really? I'm still a U.S. citizen. Okay. Whether my but passport coming back to Canada. Coming back to Canada, I don't use my passport because it's a U.S. passport. I have to use my permanent resident card, ah, which is not expired. Okay. That expires next year. That one I will have forgotten about Nick for next year. We'll so have to. When go. you get a passport now, yeah. do you have to like swear a loyalty oath to Trump or anything? Now? You do not have to swear a loyalty oath. Do you do a test to see how white your skin is? You do not have to do. You have to do a Coke Pepsi challenge. Oh wait, yeah. okay, so he's pro Coke, but pro Diet Coke. It's a trick. Mm. You say yes to the full sugar Coke, no dice. <laughs> no it's got to be the Diet Coke, right? Well, I'm afraid I'm not allowed in the U.S. now. No. The important uh, thing is with him, yep. it's clearly working. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, he's very slim. Yes. Fit man. Sure. It's a great ad for diet. It's not rotting him from the inside at no, all. No, 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 no. He doesn't what, if it, what if it was just the Diet Coke that turned him evil? Like, that was the thing, right? Like, Diet Coke actually just turns you evil, and they and they can't say it yeah. because Coke would just, like, mm. sue them, right? Coke has more money than America, so they can't say anything. So America's just going to go down the tubes while he's uh, while he's drinking this poison that turns you evil. Basically like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde type situation. Mm. Well, I have a very good friend who drinks a lot of Diet Coke. Okay. And he is not evil. All right. Nor does he appear to be rotting from the inside now, any just, more than the rest of us. Just to be clear. Yep. Is your friend drinking Diet Coke? Diet or, Coke. Or mm? Coke Zero? Diet Coke. Okay. Yes. Strict Diet Coke drinker. Strict. As long as I've known him. Oh, okay. Well, he's built up a tolerance. He's built up a tolerance. It's like, I think like if Dr. Okay, here's the thing. Yep. If you're Dr. Jekyll. and If uh, you're Dr. Jekyll. If you're Dr. Jekyll. Okay. And like you'd been drinking that formula since you were a baby. Sure. Baby formula. I get Baby Jekyll formula. Yeah. Uh, then would you build up a tolerance and like not be turning into Hyde like later on in years? Or is it just always going to like full on turn you into Hyde? 
I would say it would turn you in. Well, that's a good question. I assume that the formula, the thing that the chemical heat drinks, is not something that turns you into hide. It would take away your inhibitions and reveal the hide that's in you, that you, that civilization, so, the veneer of civilization. Could you that, take away a baby's inhibitions? I don't know if babies have inhibitions. That's my question. Yeah. At what point do you get inhibitions? And then would it just uh, take the, yeah, I just wondered. Huh. Here's a second question about uh, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. You live Hyde. A, you live a life where uh, strips of veneer are placed over you over time that smooth you out, mm. make, make you accept socially acceptable. That, that does make sense. Uh, can anyone else drink the uh, Hyde formula, or is it specifically attuned to Dr. Jekyll? No, I think anyone could drink it. Okay. Um, I don't think it's related. So after, I don't think after, it's like after a physical. He passes away. Yeah, yeah. There's some. There's clearly some Hyde formula left. Sure. Does uh, there's never a thing where anyone like goes, mm, I'll try a little of that, and then they uh, <laughs> they become uh, Hyde. Well, they become their Hyde. Oh, their specific Hyde. Well, I just mean that Mr. Hyde. I think he gives himself that name to differentiate differentiate himself from Doctor Jekyll. Okay. He's not really a separate person. Right. He loses his doctorate. He loses his doctorate. That's right. He becomes right. a becomes a Mister. But it's Mr. Hyde Esquire. Because yeah, he, I he didn't, I didn't go to monstering school for all these years to be called doctor. <laughs> yes. The name is Mr. Hyde. Sure. Yeah. Did you know when Stephen, Robert Louis Stevenson wrote the, the manuscript for Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, he decided it was terrible and threw it into the fireplace? And it was his wife who snatched it out of the flames and uh, saved it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. He just thought it was repulsive and then he, he shouldn't... Uh, you shouldn't let people read such such tripe. Have you ever done that with any of your writing? No. Just gone, this is total garbage. Well, into the bin. Yes, but not so dramatically. Hmm. Just into the bin. Or, no, I, this is what I tend to do more. It's like, uh, this is total garbage. And then it just sits in the typewriter roller for, okay. for a couple of years. All right. That's a, oh, in the typewriter roller. And then I come back and look at it a couple of years later and I go, huh, this is pretty good. Okay, good. Why didn't I work on this more? Huh. Why do I still use a typewriter? Well, I was speaking in terms of, of old me who did more writing. You were older back then. Well, old me, like past me. Oh, I understand. Me from the past. Okay, you're not Benjamin Buttoning. I'm not Benjamin Buttoning it. No, no. All right. Benjamin now, Buttoning up. Second question. Second question. Uh, Mr. Hyde. Mm-hmm. Does he have a first name for his friends? Or he does have, doesn't he have a first name? Yes, Edward. Yes. That's Edward right. Hyde. Yeah. Right. What is Dr. Jekyll's first name? I don't know. I think it's Heckle. <laughs> Doctor, Dr. Heckle Jekyll. Dr. Heckle Jekyll. Yeah. That would render the book more more uh, amusing than, than yeah. serious. I, I've uh, done too much stuff this week and I'm ranting. Here's my secondary question for you. Secondary question. I wanna, I, no, it's not a, you know what? It's not you know a what? question. This is the dromedary question for you. Oh, excellent. How many humps do they have? Uh, yeah, well, what time of year is it? Because <laughs> I know they set a hump back for daylight savings. Oh, time. okay. Uh, well, let's go summertime. Summertime? Yeah. When the living is humpy? Uh, <laughs> I would say two humps. You're correct. Great. So here's, ask me what my theory is on Heckle and Jekyll, the two magpies. Oh, okay. Hey, what's your theory? Yes, sir. About and- Andy Panda. About Andy Panda? Yeah. That's what you said, right? No, no. I said, uh, I said Heckle and Jekyll. Are you thinking sorry. of Chili Willy? Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. By the way, yeah. sorry. Again, let's sure. just, sorry to back this bus up a little bit. <laughs> Beep. Let's see who the lineup Beep. is. It's Andy Panda. Yep. It's Heckle and Jekyll. Yep. It's Chilly Willy. Yep. It's Woody Woodpecker. Fuck off. Rhyme or get out. Well, We're all, we've all set up a rhyme. Mm. But not only that, Heckle and Jekyll. Yeah. Basically black and white. Andy Panda. Basically black and white. Okay. Chilly Willy. Basically black and white. Yeah. Woody Woodpecker. Colorful. 
He's he falls outside of their outside of the norm. Mm. He also He's falls also out, out, he also out, falls outside of the humor uh, we spectrum. Can, we can get into what he would pick in a second. <laughs> okay. But let me just say this about Heckle sure. and Jekyll. Let me run this by you, okay? Please do. They are clearly di- very different personality birds. Yes. One is old oh, chum, yeah. and the other one is hey, how you doing? Is that is that right? <laughs> yeah. It's like a Brooklyn guy or some sure. nonsense. Sure. Are they? One's Jimmy Durante. Ah, shit, shit, shit. Well, here's my here's one's my question. Mason. Uh, to myself. Are they not possibly <coughs> just one bird? And we're just seeing it from <laughs> their perspective. Like, okay. he's seeing himself. He's sure. like goleming. Yep. Right? He's just talking to the other one. But there's only one bird. Okay. But depending on, on, on what mood he's in, you're talking to either the fancy bird. Yeah. Or you're talking to the rough and tumble. That bird. It's just one guy. And sure. that's why it's like Heckle and Jekyll. Because it's a parody of uh, Dr. Jekyll, yeah. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. So it's uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Heckle. Absolutely. Okay, so that's good. So with the magpies are one bird, we've settled that. Woody Woodpecker. <laughs> okay. What? Bully. He's a bully. Yeah. He is not. He he's he's a jerk. <laughs> yes. Um, Could have go together. Makes no sense later where he's looking after Knothead and Splinter because you should not leave children in the care <laughs> of this bird. <laughs> but yeah. anyone where he's just his own self. Yep. He is the aggressor. Yep. He is not. Po- he's 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 a bad bird. Why do people like Woody Woodpecker? Do they like just people? I don't think they do like Woody Woodpecker. I don't think so either. I think people like the idea of Woody. I think we like the concept of Woody Woodpecker. I I think we like the song of Woody Woodpecker. Yeah, it's the Woody Woodpecker show. It's the crazy Pecker show. He's a Pecker. He's a Pecker. Here comes the Pecker today. He's a Peckin'. He's a Wooden. See all his wood. Here's his Pecker. And it's wood. And it's Pecker. Both names are penis names. Penis. Yeah, I think that's the appeal. <laughs> it reached a deep, a deep-seated interest in penises. Yeah, very clever, clever marketing. Yeah, I didn't recognize it. But all yeah. the years I watched him, because the walrus has tusks, which are obviously penis substitutes. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. The magpies' uh, beaks also uh, genitalia. Do you remember when? And when you say, I mean, I, mm, I don't even have to say to you. You don't have to say anything. Chilly Willy. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's, that's right on the money, right? Yeah. Like, I don't even have to explain that no, one. No. Okay. You don't have to explain it at all. Water's cold. Right. We understand. When Woody Woodpecker goes in the water, yeah. he comes out as Chili Willy. <laughs> that's for sure. They're both birds, right? What was the So it does make sense. Oh, that's funny, too, because oh, he goes okay. in colorful and comes out black and white and mm. smaller. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Uh, what was the fascination at that time with uh, Scandinavian accents? Like, why were they? Why were they inherently funny? I'm just like thinking the villains were always like, "Well, it's this, well, the yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm just do. thinking because down south in Seattle, yes, a city near to us and near to our hearts, it had for a long time a, a children's entertainer who was uh, a Scandinavian guy. Like he would speak in a, you know, oh, what was his da, name? Da, da, da. I can't remember his name now. I'd have to look it up. Was he on the J.P. Patches Ernie show? Thorkelson. No, he was pre-J.P. Patches. Is this the uh, Valking in my Winter under Vare guy? Could be. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. But that was also, like, there was not just him, but all all over the place that was a thing. That was like to do that Scandinavian accent was just considered hilarious. Well, I think what you got was, first of all, there's a lot of Scandinavians in Washington, in like the Ballard well, area. Well, that's true. And if there's anything where someone is uh, is uh, being talked about, even if it's <laughs> even if it's in a slightly negative way, they will buy it. Yep. So you know, because it's better to be talked about than to not be talked about. So that makes yep. those sales go. Sure. And then other people think that's a funny sounding accent. Let's get that. And then they buy that as well. So it just makes good. And also, if you're trying to do uh, an impression of a person, that's not the hardest accent in the world to do. You're correct. Yeah. So even I go. can do that accent. Yeah. Even I. All right. Do your Irish accent. My Irish accent. 
I just I have to work myself into. I have to turn around, sure, and kind of move my hands around my face okay. and then come back right. around. All so right. Dave spun spun around spin in around. his chair a couple of times. Did he not, sir? Like the devil himself. Yeah, I can't really do it as. No, that's pretty good. Okay, that's that's my good. that was my entry that that one those ones I tried for a long time as a kid. To I do have it. used the devil himself. Like I ripped you, you off to get into it sometimes. Yeah, because it's a good. Oh, I like the devil himself, sir. It came <laughs> around, sir. Did he not, sir? I watched a good video uh, that kind of gave you a sense of the different accents from different parts of Ireland. Okay. And there was in the south, sort of south, uh, south Clover, east, Cloverdale, southeast of the of the of the island, uh, island of Ireland. There, that's where you get that really high pitched, very much kind of you know the almost comical okay. Irish accent that we would like the sort of associate. Doi-dee, doi-dee, doi-dee. They say, yeah, oh yes, not so and then. And then you go to all, and then they kind of tell you about like Belfast, where it's there's a Scottish element and a British element to it, so it's a bit more drawn out and different sounding. And then you go up north, where it's really thick and different. It's kind of interesting. I enjoy I enjoy uh, regional accents a lot. I think that's fascinating. Does it feel like what they do with the Marvel movies is they take the Europeans, they bring them here, and they uh, they they make they make them work so hard to get the American accent. But then they take the Americans and make them work so hard to get the abs, <laughs> right? Because you know, yeah, why Benedict Cumberbatch, yeah. he's fine. You t- he can take his shirt off, and no one's going, uh. But he's not like he's not like uh, you know, uh, rippity rip rip ripped, right? He's not that kind of business. No, it's like same with uh, you know the guy playing Spider Man. He's good. Tom Holland looks fine. He is pretty ripped. If you see he's, him, he's he's ripped, but is he like uh, all yeah. the six pack business? Yeah, yeah. All right, fair enough then. He I is. stand but he's young. He can do that sort of thing without all thinking right. about it too much. Yeah, and Tom Holland does a good American accent, unlike yes. unlike uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Fumius Bandersnatch, who has a trouble with with uh, ac- with that kind of accent. I think he's he was in um, Black Mass, I believe, the, the uh, Johnny Depp movie about Shorty Bulger. Okay, and or is that his name? Something Bulger, anyway. Sunny Bulger? What was this guy's name? Do you funny know what I'm talking Bul- about? Funny Bulger. Funny, funny Bulger? Yeah, are you talking about the uh, the mobster clown? Funny, funny Bulger? <laughs> funny Bulger, yeah. yeah. And he was in that film, and he does he just falls right into that. Kind of trying to do a Boston accent, but it's not really Boston. It's But I think a Boston right. accent's easy for British people to do more than more than uh, any other accent. Did you? What did you think of uh, Benedict Wong's uh, American accent, or what have you? Well, he's... He can put like because he, he's British. He is British. You're correct. He was uh, in Vancouver this weekend. Was he? Yep, talking all British. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny to me. It's it's funny because it feels wrong. It feels wrong. It feels wrong. Uh, just because. I'm sorry, everybody, about That's that. That's fine. No, I don't feel good about it's that. It's just well, it's a kind of my family is named Wong, so let me just tell you this much. There's a lot of those jokes that float around yeah. at every gathering. Sure. Like, that's a hilarious joke. Mm. The Wong wrong thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's great. Sure. That's killer material in my family. Sure. I, I just can't take it out of the house and <laughs> use it in public. I did use it on Facebook. Oh, did you? But not for Wong. It was a, I was a sculptor whose, whose last name was Wrong, R-O-N-G. And how did that go? I just said, uh, it's so wrong, it's right. Lovely. It was, you know, it was a beautiful sculpture. I don't think that was insulting. Nope. Um, he, well, here's a, it was just, it was just a thing. Like one time I was listening to, uh, to ABC, Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Okay, not the band ABC. Not the band doing, ABC, uh, Lexicon of uh, Love. that poison arrow in my heart. Yeah, yeah. Look of Love. Look of Love, yeah. Tower of London. Power. How to be a millionaire. <laughs> sure, whatever you say. All right. Uh, it, and they're talking to someone on this show 
And this guy had this, you know, Australian accent, which I'm not going to do, you know, that kind of... No, please don't. Amer- Australians hate it when we do their yeah. accents. So I'm not going to impersonate it. But so he does... Is this person speaking in Australian accent? And then the the per- the, the commentator, the interviewer says, uh, you know, Arthur Wong, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? It's Ch- Chinese and he speaks with an Australian accent? No, no, no. No, no, they speak in a Canadian accent. That's how Chinese people talk. Either they speak Chinese or they speak in a... Because it's just so weird. It's like when we were in... in uh, Gla- not Glasgow, in Edinburgh, we went to a restaurant and uh, there was in- East Indians there. Yeah. And they spoke, they had Scottish accents. Of course. It's just mind-blowing though, because you're not, you're not used to that, right? It's not until you get into that situation, you go, oh yeah, I guess they would have a Scottish accent because they're in Scotland. Duh. This is, this is very true. But it just and feels weird, like, because you're, you're used to hearing them yep. speaking here. You have your limited perspective. Yeah, exactly. And then you have to kind of, oh, oh yeah. And then you go to England. They can live all over the world. And everybody of every race has a Russian accent that exactly. you meet. Is that right? Oh yeah. When we first, when we first in London, went, yeah, there was like uh, almost everyone who was in the service mm. industry, pretty thick Russian accent. It didn't matter uh, where where they well, were. Why would it be Russian? Or maybe it's a different European country because uh, mm, pretty much Pol- a lot of... Poland is part of the oh, EU. Oh well, maybe, maybe and they they were allowed to go to there, but I don't think Russia All would right, have. So had here's free what I'm going to ask you to do then: is please give me your Polish accent and let me see if this is correct. <laughs> so what you've got to say to me is um, yeah. your room isn't ready yet. It'll be ready at three. And I've gotten in there at 10 a.m. because I was told to be there then. So my room isn't ready I yet. It'll a, be in a Polish accent. Here I don't think go. I could do a Polish accent. All right, ask me to do a Polish accent. Yeah, you accent. do a Polish accent. Your room will not be ready until three. <laughs> blah! I want to fuck your blood. <laughs> that's, that's, room, that's, that's Transylvanian. Was that Transylvanian? Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Let me try Sorry. this again. Okay. Try it again. Your room won't be ready. You know what? I've said that already. What's something else a hotel clerk would say? Um... Uh, there's a ten dollar charge for doing for using oh, that. All right, here we go. Ten dollar charge. Yeah. <clears throat> so it's a Polish accent. It's Polish accent, right. please. Yeah. Sharon, sir, won't there be a ten dollar charge? <laughs> ten dollar. I'm from Poland. <laughs> Poland, Poland, po- Poland. From the. Let me sing the, the Polish of... national anthem for you, oh, sir. Oh, please do, sir. Poland, <laughs> land of Poles, land of land where the Poles are born. Poland, not a poor land. Poor lands over there, so's Portland. But this be Poland. And your room won't be ready until three. <laughs> yeah. That's nah. a Polish accent. No. Nah. Uh, yeah, it's, um, what? Well, Would you care to climb inside me, sir? You? And we can stack ourselves. <laughs> it's funny when you're doing, like, uh, we were talking about something at, we were talking about the those Russian killers at work the, the other day, and one of the guys at work was was commenting on how they dressed like they were from the eighties, like mm-hmm. like you couldn't you couldn't make them look more like murderous spies than the way they dress sure. with with their kind of you know Cosby Show era sweaters right. and stuff like that. Well, they shop at uh, terrible men's warehouse. Yeah, and also terrible haircut house and everything else house. Mm-hmm. And and as a joke, I said something off the cuff in a in a kind of Russian accent. Okay, about, I, about clothing, you said it off the cuff. Okay. Yes, and, and it was really easy to do. But if you if you asked me, you said, Dave, do a Russian accent right now, I would I would be like, oh, I, right. it's got to be perfect. I can't just right. say it off the cuff and uh, uh, forget it. No, yeah. no. It would be shame if... <laughs> that's would. how I always start a Russian accent, okay. which is terrible. It would. it would be shame if something were to happen to you. Nice podcast you have here. <laughs> is that... Yes. Is that... Uh, yes, yes. Oh, you've got the website. Yes. That's so good to have website. So oh. how... What hacking insurance do you have for said website? I I think you would be horrifying yes. a man on Vanity Fair website who compares accents 
with real, he looks at actors doing accents and then he comments on them and says, not very good. Just like that accent, not not very, not very good. I should say very because I am Russian. That's right. Wary. And you were you were taking care of the nuclear vessels. I just carry my nuclear <laughs> nuclear missiles. <laughs> uh, that's right. Yeah. No, it's um. It's interesting. I, I like those old episodes of Star Trek where every time Chekhov says something, Spock turns to him and goes, "You want to try that again?" <laughs> <laughs> Must we do take 24? I am Chekhov. Hmm. Why are you looking at me? Because you were about to say something no and interrupted you. Oh, no, I was thinking about Chekhov's gun and I was thinking about Chill, Chilly Willy. Oh, that's fun. So it's Chekhov's phaser. <laughs> if you see a phaser, phaser in the beginning of a Star Trek yeah. episode, it must be fired must by be the fired end by of the, the episode. End. Exactly. Now that's, that's or not. Because there is that classic Chekhov story. Which is? Chek- the gun. Where... The, or the duel, sorry, the two characters are in a in a duel. Okay. The one guy shoots and misses, and the other person opts to not fire, but he has the option to fire at any time. And so this person has to live with this idea that at any time, someone's going to take a shot at him in his life. Ah. And I don't remember how it ends. I heard it as a radio show rather than as, a, as reading the story. Uh, because I've been so tired lately, I've been doing, I did like Vancouver... Uh, Fan Expo, and I've been doing the Writers Fest this week, and I'm moving at the same time. Yep. I'm basically asking you a lot of questions. You sure are, because <laughs> I'm tired. Okay, well, you're really uh, doing a good job with with your accents, and I thought thank, your, thank your you chili, very much. your chili willy uh, material was was spot on. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, you really. You feel like, I feel like you're carrying the show I have a, more than me. So what? Oh, okay. you have another question. Okay, I have a question about Star Trek. Okay, my question about Star Trek is this. <laughs> yep. Uh, why so why when, is it so popular? So no, no. Ask myself that question many times. When uh, Gene Stapleton created the show, <laughs> yes. Uh, af- oh, after she not did Marine her, Stapleton. After she did her work on All in the Family, okay. And she went, "I'd like to do this Archie. show in space." Archie, that's right. Uh, Kirk, you dingbat. Gee, Archie. No, when uh, when uh, Gene Roddenberry created the show, uh, yes. he wanted to show that uh, people could live together in the future. There was a, f- a positive future. Sure, there's an optimistic future. Yeah. And the Does, TV, TV network did not like that idea. But they did it, and they did the thing, and they got canceled, and whatever. But anyway, so that's Star Trek, and that's the idea behind Star Trek. And then they kind of carried that on with Star Trek Next Generation. Every Star Trek since that time, yes, has have they just put the boots to that original idea? Because it seems like with your Deep Space Nines... Okay. Your Deep Space Nines... With the uh, Ferengi? Yeah, people are... Well, not just Ferengis, but everyone else is jerks in space, and and, yeah. and people are mean, and things jerks are... Jerks in space. It really... It doesn't feel like things are good. Yeah. Like the whole, uh, we've eliminated uh, money. No, you haven't. you got lots of money. Uh, you're gambling <laughs> all the time. Uh, we've eliminated <laughs> hunger and anger and war. No, you're at war constantly. Mm. You know, so does this... Does every... And like I look at like Star Trek Discovery as well. Everything's fucked Isn't up. Isn't that a prequel this. though? So it's pre 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 uh, Paradise. All right, fair enough. I'll give you that. Then let's okay. take that. Let's take that one out of there. We'll take Enterprise out of there as well. Uh, but like, isn't it like? Well, everything's fucked up. Uh, thing I was wrong. It yeah. was, the future isn't good. Uh, it's all screwed up, and there's something coming to kill you at at all times. Uh, it's the Borg or an omnipotent being called Q. Yeah, and everything's fucked up, and the, all all existence could blink out at any point. Does do the do the subsequent Star Treks uh fuck up the original Star Trek in the same way that uh the subsequent Star Wars movies, as we have discussed, fuck up Star Wars? Uh, question goes over that's, to Mr. David Dedrick. That's a very good question. Thank you very much. Let's end the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
the the problem is is I have not seen a ton of those shows. You know, I, I enjoyed uh, Star Trek Voyager where you know they would portage a spaceship across a planet. Right. I thought that was a very interesting show. But uh, I've never seen Deep Space Nine. Okay. I've never seen actually never seen Voyager. Okay. I've never seen is the Voyager the one with with uh, Mrs. Columbo? Yes. As, I've never seen Enterprise. I've never seen Kate loves a space mystery. Kate loves a space mystery. Never seen. I've never seen. Uh, what else is there? I've, I've seen a little bit of Discovery. I watched a couple of shows. Yeah, but show. as you say, that's a prequel. That's so a prequel. Enterprise is also a prequel. Enterprise also you've a prequel. Taken, you've taken that out. Is that with Hercules in it? Or no, that's not Kevin Sorbo. not that. Who's the guy who's the uh, captain? In, oh, are you uh, thinking Andromeda with Kevin Sorbo? But that's not Star Trek. No, it's who not was at the all. captain of uh, of the Enterprise one? Enterprise. That was Scott Bakula. Oh, that was Quantum Leap. That's who I meant. Sorry, yes, that's right. Scott Bakula. Huh. No one's ever accused him of being Dracula, but it seems kind of obvious that he probably is. Yep. I did a cartoon once where they were getting each other's mail. Oh, you did? Yep. <laughs> That's good. You want to hear my other really dumb joke? I love all dumb jokes. Okay. This was my this is my really, really dumb joke okay. about that. Sure. So, I was, Dave, I was having a dream the other night. <laughs> okay. I was having a dream the other night, uh-huh. and I was like, uh, it's one of those dreams where you can't remember things, and I'm at a... Uh, what, in the dream itself, you can't remember I things? I can't remember things, right? Okay. So, I'm at, a, uh, I'm at a sci-fi convention. Sure. And someone's talking to me about uh, Star Trek, and I go, oh, I enjoy Star Trek. And they say to me, oh, do you enjoy Star Trek? Then what was the name of the uh, captain, the guy who played the captain in uh, Enterprise? And I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember. And it was like, oh, I just couldn't remember. And then the guy started yelling at me. He was like, it was Scott Bakula. Bacula, 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 Bacula. And I woke up and the cat was throwing up on me. <laughs> huh. Because Bacula yeah. sounds like a cat throwing up. Sure. So I haven't seen those shows. Mm-hmm. And you can do a variation of that uh, joke with Dracula if you feel like it. You can do a variation of that show with Blackula. Okay. Mm, <laughs> Why not? In, in the world of Blackula. In the world of Blackula. Was there a Dracula and he just named himself Blackula? Later, or was there no Dracula, I and it went straight to Blackula? I think I think he is the stand-in for Dracula. So there's no there's no Dracula. There's no Dracula. Okay. Just Blackula. Very good. And I hope that you all appreciated the pun. Very good. Okay. No, so I can't really comment on that. I, I agree with you though that I mean the very f- the first series of Star Trek, the boring one. You know, the problem with that show obviously is that Gene Roddenberry. One of the problems with that show, besides that it's boring, is that Gene Roddenberry couldn't uh, follow through on his vision because the networks had. This idea that conflict is what made shows interesting. Okay. And so they inserted false drama into the show by having Bones become this really insulting doctor. Yeah, to, he's a racist. He's a racist. He's too. a clear racist towards Vulcans. <laughs> yes. Who yes. are like, not that bad. No. Except there's pointy-eared hobgoblins. But besides that. Yeah. His big issue fine. seems to be their looks. The doctor <laughs> yeah. has big problems with a guy who's got pointy ears. Well, let me tell you, yeah. the rest of these aliens you're going to run into. Are gonna fuck you it's, up, Bones. It's really awful. Yeah. Whereas Star Trek: Next Generation, a show that I enjoyed for a number of years before it, before it got boring, was kind of followed through in that idea that you see there is conflict mm. because you know that's part of human life. But they work together through conflict. They don't. They don't. You know, not everyone is like teaming up against each other. And there's like this side and this. You know, this group and right. this group. You know, which. I think in, ter- in terms of like a corporate structure, which is what like Starfleet would be, is more entertaining to me, actually, because that's how it should work. It should work in a cooperative way. I mean, obviously, there's ambition and things like that and I, to kind of sour some things. But overall, you know, it should, everyone should be pulling on the same rope, you know. And, and I think that that show made it work 
But I feel like I've never seen, like I say, I've never seen Voyager, so I can't speak to that. Voyager's but- situation is uh, <coughs> they're a very next generation type ship, but then they get sucked in a wormhole or some such and end up so far away. They have no contact with the uh, with the Federation. Okay. And they're going to try and make their way back, but they probably never will because they're too far away. So do you continue to live by this set of rules that, uh, you know, when you will never contact them again and you probably, you know, how are you, what are you going to do with that? So like the Prime Directive, do you mean? Or? Yeah. Do you, are you going to live okay. Prime Directive style now that you're really in the wild, wild west of space okay. and no one knows who you are and no one has heard of the Federation? But then they didn't do that. They just kept bringing shit back from the Federation and brought in Q and the Borg and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, 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 no. This was your opportunity to like bring a whole bunch yeah. of new stuff. Yeah. But they just, Chuck, did not do anything <laughs> with that. And uh, out of, and also there was a guy who was like I believe the second in command and he was anti Federation like he was almost considered a terrorist against okay. the Federation okay. so they had to like work together so it was an interesting concept but then uh, they just bleh, all gone huh. and then like uh, I think to, like, to solve the problem at the end they just did a real dumb Deus Ex Machina situation it was a like, really dumb then Q uh, the no, biggest Deus Ex no, Machina Q, Q was uh, the last episode of uh, of Next Gen Voyager had it had a well look. If if you're going to talk like a dumb thing that like is annoying that Star Trek would do to solve a problem, what would the thing be that would be a dumb thing? You go like, oh, you're going to solve a problem using that? The holodeck? Well, it wouldn't be the holodeck. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Oh. Time travel. Oh. So someone from the future comes and just goes, oh, here's the answer. Eh. And uh, there you go. And you're all fine. <laughs> holodeck would also be bad. They're having trouble with a jumble. He comes back and tells them the, yeah. the last clue. Yeah. It's borscht. It's borscht. Oh. It's borscht. Oh, no one I can see it. Is that even a word? Can you use words that aren't mm-hmm. English? Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I, you know, like, uh, Star Trek Next Generation, besides the first, the pilot episode, which is a boar fest. Oh my, it's not even a boar fest. It's, it's bananas. <laughs> well, it's, just, it's, has, ba- it's, it has that docking, it's, it's bananas. It has that docking sequence or, or, you know, when they come into yeah. port. And it literally, I'm not joking, it's at least a half an hour long scene oh, of them, like, parking, parking just, a like, spaceship. like Riker going and, like, talking to, <laughs> Like going to I don't know what other world that like data's in and 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 going you know he's, he wants to be human and so like okay Pinocchio hey shut up <laughs> shut up leave him alone he isn't he just he told he bared his soul to you yeah yeah and you're all like yeah it's funny yeah well you you go play you don't really your, see that character in later go, go later play episodes. your jazz whatever okay <laughs> shut up shut up it's Riker. A jazz Odyssey yeah you know that uh, but I you know I thought that the you know, for a couple of seasons, the show was very strong. It obviously came off the rails. The whole show's must do. But, you know, those first was, at least the show was interesting. It had philosophical concepts sure. and stuff like that that were, that were fun to, to mull over. And like I've said before, I really enjoyed the is data human yep. uh, debate episode. That was probably the one I thought was, what was, was your feelings on Q? Uh, I actually enjoyed Q, uh, as sort of, um, he was kind of like your, I don't want to say a bottle episode, but just an episode where you could just kind of wing it. Yeah. You could just have some fun. He's the, you know? He was the Mr. Mixus Pidlick. But, you know, like the problem with a character like that is it's so tempting to bring him back and bring him back. Way too tempting bring him back. to bring him back. And then you have other cues and, and it just gets and once and the whole alphabet showing more up. more than one infinitely powerful being mm-hmm. in the universe, yeah. it really feels like, well, now the uh, what what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. What are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, and then it's just the nature of a show. And I mean, you're, it's kind of interesting when you talk about Voyager. It almost feels like that show, um, made the mistake of transporting writers who worked on, uh, Next Generation onto that show, which not, is something that they shouldn't have done at all is, is start with a fresh group of writers. Yeah. And let them develop 
their own concepts, you know. The Borg is a great idea. Like, it's a great idea. But it's a great idea once. Yeah. You know, once you uh, had Captain Picard becoming a Borg and all that stuff like that. Yeah. You like that? I thought that was... I thought I thought that was pretty thought it was like thrilling. A when, uh, step too far. Okay, when he when yeah when they had the uh, the cliffhanger episode, it was yeah, like, oh, that was pretty yeah. pretty good to me. Huh. Now here's here's the thing: when they had Enterprise, I didn't really watch it, but I did. Uh, this, okay, I just say my problem with oh, the with the with me. the Borg that thing okay. is that it's impossible to get out of situation, and so it just should have. If they're going to do that, that should have been the end of Picard. Mm. You know, that's the that's the only that's the only possible outcome of that situation. Da- okay. They're too powerful. I did like late in a later movie that he was really damaged from that and never kind of got over it. I yeah, I've never seen the film. Yeah, that story. was pretty that was pretty good. But yeah, but that makes sense. But but I mean, if they didn't bring that out in the show, then that's a that's on the sh- that's against the show. The other big problem with the Borg is uh, what do you? Okay, it's the same problem with the Cybermen uh, in Doctor and Doctor Who in that these are innocent people. That have been turned into these things. Yeah. So when you are fighting them later and you're shooting them and killing them, sure. If you find out at any point they could be turned back, as yeah. they did with Picard, yeah. Uh, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. You're a monster. And then when you blow up their ship, it's not like yay. It's oh, that's not good. You mm. should have figured a way around this. Well, that's the thing. So, but at least with Cybermen, they always go like, well, there's no way back. So you can't you can't do it, but yeah. because they had the way back with uh, with Star yeah, Trek, exactly. That's well, what I, then uh, pull out the plugs yeah. and fix them, like uh, you've done with uh, your that's captain. What, that's why I said once he became yeah. a Borg, that should have been the end of his character, mm-hmm. and it would have been sadder to know that's where he was. Yes, you know, and if you wanted to bring it back, you could, but you could never have him come back again because, I mean, it established in the very first episode where the Borg appeared that they were way more powerful mm-hmm. than the Enterprise, and almost you know basically impossible to to. How did they escape the first time? Did they like somehow get away from them and then they're like eventually they'll catch up to us or something like that? Yeah, I think the deal with the Borg was that Q, if I'm not I wrong. I think it was Q, yeah. Q, right. Basically they were that, that you know, it's a whole prime directive thing of like you only find out about the things when you're ready for it. And yeah. it was like, well, what isn't the Enterprise ready for? They're sure. not ready for this race that's like beyond them. Basically, yeah. they were in a video game and they got taken up to the boss level uh, without knowing what they were doing. Sure. And it was like, oh, we're screwed. Yeah. And that that was and that's an interesting concept, like someone who's really beyond your weight yeah. level. Yeah. Uh, but then it just became a standard thing, and they would just yeah, yeah. It would be nothing. It's yeah, it's dull once you do that. You just you 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 ruin the surprise and the interest in the characters. Yeah. And by and like I say, having Picard, <coughs> having Picard change, you know, into a Borg, and then them some yeah, and like you say that it basically it um it undermines the character. It undermines the characters of the Borg. And I just, yeah, I just didn't like it very much. That show, maybe that was yeah. the jump, the shark moment for me as a, as a viewer. Sure, I, I can I see that. I certainly jumped off the, the, I certainly, I really lost interest in the show after that. I was probably already starting to, to pall on me. By the way, whenever people say jump the shark, it's always important to know that, uh, that there was a very highly rated episode of Happy Days and it was very successful after that and never really went down in, um, in, uh, ratings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was very, it was very, it's, it yeah. remains always successful. Whenever people say that, it's like, mm. and that was the end of the success. No, it was the end of when you started liking it. Well, that's the but thing. I'm still, not, yeah. it still went very well. Exactly. I'm not referring to it as, as, yeah. I was just saying for me, it was a moment where I left the show. Let me just say, when you say jump the shark, it means I jumped over a shark and walked away from Star Trek Next Generation. Oh, I've got so many on. things I want to like bring up with you right now. Okay. Bring, uh, uh, Oh, okay. Yeah, lots of things written down. Oh, okay. All right. Got, here, here you've got dinosaurs. A, you've got... Uh, here was a... Qu- I know. Uh, here was a question. I Okay. 
first, I'll do the enterprise thing sure, first, ahead. and then I'll yeah, get yeah. to. A I, I'm sorry that I couldn't answer your question about no, no, the, no, about it's the dark, totally fine. About the creeping darkness. But this was the, something the that uh, that I liked with Enterprise because I didn't really watch that show. That's a Scott Bakula. What? Scott Dracula. Who? Scott Blackula. My cat. Uh, it's throwing off at me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so the idea was this is yes. before. Uh, this is the first people that had the Enterprise, and later on it would be the Enterprise. Yeah. Okay. So at one point, if I'm getting this right, and if I'm not, please tell me. Uh, they uh, there was a time travel thing that they encountered, which uh, which was creating a parallel reality. Okay. So there was the possibility that uh, what we were going to see from that point on was this parallel reality. Basically, they split time, and so one was going one way, one was going the other, and it was like, oh, that's great, because now you're not beholden to everything lining up with the Star Trek. You've now created your own world that you can now just do anything and have a lot of fun, and you're just like in the past of this, and it was like, that was a really good idea. No, they didn't do it. It was like, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> but then the J.J. Abrams uh, Star Trek movie okay. basically did exactly that. It was like, we're going to just start again. Yeah. It, this isn't the, necessarily the same. This is a parallel world. We're going to show you that by showing old Spocks on this world. Now we can do whatever we want on this world. And they went for that. And, and it was like, okay, good. They, they did that idea. They, sh- they certainly went great places with it. <laughs> the first one was pretty good. Con. Nah, it didn't really bug me, but it's fine. But you, you don't like Smender Smatch Hoobledoop or whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> All right. Here, here's a thing that I wanted to bring up that was kind of funny yesterday. Yeah. I'm doing a panel uh, at the Writers Festival talking about Sparks, which is a book Dave colored, I wrote, Nina Matsumoto, The Third Dragon, uh, Drew. And I'm there with, uh, Jeffrey, Hi, Nina. with, uh, yep, with Jeffrey Brown, who's also like an amazing. Jeffrey Brown, wow. Yeah, who, uh, there's the, his, uh, Star, Star Wars, uh, calendar right there. Nice. Uh, good stuff. Anyway, so we're, uh, we got a big room full of, big room full of kids. We're talking about our work. We're doing yeah. all this stuff. At the very, at the very end, it's like questions. All right. What are the questions? Jeffrey's worked on so much stuff. He's worked on, uh, Star Wars Jedi Academy. He's, yeah. he's done his own work. I've done, uh, Sparks and Exorcisters and this and Mad and whatever. Okay. Hand goes up. And we had casually mentioned Garfield at some point. Okay. Okay. Let's just mention that. Sure. So hand right up in the air, okay. right up in the air. Yeah. And we pointed him, uh, what's your question? All right. So can John understand Garfield? <laughs> <laughs> or he's just assuming what Garfield is uh, is uh, saying to him. Can he read his mind, or how's how's that work? Yeah. So we had huh. a, we got into a real deep discussion about. Yeah, that. I can imagine yeah. so. And my my good, thought good my question. thought was yeah. Uh, I I got into a thing where I was saying how cats don't meow to other cats. It's true. Uh, they only meow to people, and each meow like if you have you do have a cat, the way your cat meows to <laughs> I, you, I do have a cat, is unique. To it doesn't meow to anyone else that same way. So cats uh, create a bond with the people that they're with, and they communicate through that. So I would say that's unique, and we understand our cats in a way that no one else does. That's just something that happens. Sure, that's true. So I believe that's the case with John. Is he's got that bond with Garfield, and he understands Garfield in a way no one else does, while not perhaps specifically knowing that Garfield's calling him an asshole all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But he's seen, he often sees. Garfield clawing at the Monday on the calendar. Yeah. So he knows he doesn't like Monday. Lasagnas are regularly disappearing in the house. Yes. So he, we know that he loves lasagna. Why are you putting the lasagnas where Garfield can reach them? Put them <laughs> in the fridge or the oven. It's true. He does not have opposable thumbs. We've, we've learned with Al not to leave... Or does he have opposable uh, thumbs? We've learned with Al not to leave uh, uh, loafs on the uh, counter. There you go. He'll, he'll stand up and And Al them. is your son. <laughs> Al is not my son. Okay, Al is... Al is... 
Our dog. Oh, very good. All right. Very Albert. Good. And then Bert. and then that broke off into a side thing, which was like, it's a similar situation to uh, Snoopy and Charlie Brown. Of course. Where Snoopy has thoughts and yeah. Charlie Brown seems to understand them. But my big problem with Snoopy was when they made Snoopy a writer and he could actually type things. Yeah. I'm like, well, at this point, just type what you fucking want to say. Is he actually typing, though? Well, Lucy takes the takes it out and goes, it's a dark and stormy night and reads what he does and gives him a critique. So, unless oh. she's in a fantasy world as well, yeah. and perhaps she is. Also, sorry, he does mail these off to uh, publishers and gets rejection letters. Of course so he does, because they're just one, nonsense. He can type. Yeah. He can type a letter to them. Yeah, he, can, he, he can buy stamps. Yeah. He can write an address. Yeah. He gets rejection letters. It's a problem. Once he started typing things. Just, just the... Well, I mean... He me, shouldn't be able to write. To me, Snoopy became too much of a character in the in the comics. Yeah, when he could drive a, a car in France. I think that was a problem with the animated series. <laughs> I don't remember that, but okay. Okay. Uh, no, I'm just thinking about the comic strip itself. You know, I prefer him as... I prefer him as a kind of playful dog living in his own world. Mm-hmm. But his, his inside world should not be shared. Like, there shouldn't be... The kids shouldn't be part of his World War One flying ace fantasy. Here's a big problem to me: when he's uh, Joe Cool, none yep. of the kids checking ki- things out. Yeah, Joe Cool. None of the kids should be able to come up to him and go, "Hey, he's Joe Cool." Because how the shit do they know he's his Joe shirt cool? says Joe Cool? Oh, did it? Yeah. Oh, so he can write on a shirt. He just bought a shirt that said Joe Cool, and he thought, "I'm going to be Joe Cool." Okay. Do the when they see him as a World or he War found One a shirt. First of all, where did he get the World War One outfit? Well. The strip chart started in the 1950s. Yes. So World War One was not that far, far, far in the distant past. Oh, I so understand that. It's but basically like, like he had access to some flares and love beads like that we would have ha- right. had as kids. So in this situation is, yeah. say, Charlie Brown's grandfather, was he a pilot? But does he actually, is he actually wearing these things or is he just like imagining them? Oh, you think he's imagining yeah. having the outfit as yeah, well? Yeah, yeah. I just assumed, well... No, I don't think so. I don't think he's dressing up as a World War One. You don't think he's got the outfit? No. I think he's got the outfit. Why would he have an outfit like that? He's a he dog. does. He's you a see dog. him with that. But you see, also see him in a bar drinking root beer with a, with a French girl. Yeah. He's not in a bar. He's just sitting... She is a real character, though, in the strip, right? That French girl. In his, in his mind. No, 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 no. She's real, though, right? Does she interact with him in the real world? I think she does. Well, that's wrong. Is she playing with that fantasy? What, where's she in that? Does oh. she see these things? Does Woodstock understand this? Do they talk? Woodstock does not. He doesn't understand Woodstock, nor do, nor do we. Oh, wait. So he doesn't get Woodstock at all? No. So his name's not Woodstock. Because he asked the bird at one point, what's your name? And he goes, you're not going to believe this, and turns to Woodstock. And like <laughs> we're supposed to think that's the most hilarious joke in the world. Yeah. Uh, so his name isn't Woodstock. I didn't get it as a kid. Well, what's to get? Well, I mean, the, it's a reference to, uh, to the three days of, of peace, love, and... and yeah, but why is it funny that a bird is called that? Because it, it was like this. Hey, it, yeah. hey, Dave! I yeah. found a cat. Yeah, uh, it's pretty good. Huh? Let's see this cat. Yeah. Guess what its name is? What's his name? It just told me. Okay. Lilith Fair. <laughs> yeah. That, Have that, you seen my dog Lollapalooza? That, see, that would be funny. It, if I said my dog's name was Lollapalooza, sure. it told sure. me that. Yeah. Wouldn't you have infinite questions? <laughs> Were you at I, Lollapalooza? I were you born at Lollapalooza? I, I would assume that you were joking. You would assume I was joking. You have a rich fantasy life. That's all what I would think. Do you to think myself. the dog's joking when he tells me his name is Lollapalooza? 
I don't think the dog is telling you anything. I think that you are telling yourself the dog is telling you something. So wait, I, a yeah. serial killer who's listening to my dog, <laughs> yes, you don't think the dog has been telling me to kill or that its name is Lollapalooza? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I know it's hard. To I believe. was going to stab you to death, but I, uh, I'm upset now, and I'm not going to do it. Right, escaped, fair enough. Escaped another week, folks. No. Uh, the dinosaur thing, I think I probably talked about on a previous show, so it's all right. What was the dinosaur thing? It was about the uh, TV show Dinosaurs. Was that wasn't that the the Flintstones of the the uh, right? It was the final. I, I watched the final episode of uh, of uh, Dinosaurs. You watched uh, the final episode. Yes. What do you did, think? Did you skip ahead? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. What do you think happens in the final episode of Dinosaurs? They see a guy. They see a guy. See a man. Like a man. A yeah. man. Man. Yeah. yeah. No, they're in the time of the dinosaurs. That is not what they see. They okay. they stay with the idea that they okay. are definitely in the time of the dinosaurs. Uh, it ends with a asteroid coming towards them. No, Damn. but uh, but uh, not a million miles off. What what happens? <laughs> so so only a million miles off. Let me just think here. A million miles. Not off. a million miles away from the truth of what happens. Here's what happens. Okay. So uh, someone screws up uh, in what they do. Uh, it doesn't war- believe in global warming. Uh, yeah, that's basically it. Oh, really? That is basically it. Yeah, that you've you've actually got it exactly. Oh, okay. Uh, so uh, someone screws up with something, and uh, all these either all these bugs uh, don't like go away, and because they, they they kill all these bugs because they were annoying, I believe. Yeah. And so because of this, all these plants start growing wild and everywhere, and yeah. in the houses and what have you. And so they kill all the plants on Earth because they're annoying. Yeah. And now Earth is fucked up. Yeah. And like, oh no, we've got to bring more plants back so what we're going to do is we're going to like set off the volcanoes and that's going to make rain and then now we're now we're going to do this so they do that they fuck that up and now now the ice age starts wow and uh because they've because they didn't understand or believe global uh climate change was a thing yeah didn't understand the connections of nature uh everybody slowly freezes to death and that is the end of truly that, is that, that is truly the end of it wow. uh there's the company that uh, the dinosaur works for uh is t- is talking about how uh you know we might do something about it but you know we're selling all these blankets and we're yeah. making all this money that this is really a third quarter problem and not our problem yeah and then you see, like one of the final things is like all the dino- the dinosaur family is is huddled together, yeah. You know, uh, knowing that this is their fault, but they're going to stay a family and they're going to stay together during yeah. this. Yeah. And then you cut to the news, and they say like, "Well, temperatures look like they're going down." And uh, you know, yeah, I'm I'm probably going to be going to sleep now, uh, but uh, you know, we'll 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 get back to you maybe sometime in the future. Good night. And yeah, everyone in the world of dinosaurs dies. Because they didn't believe in uh, in in taking care are of the you, environment. Are you being serious? I am absolutely serious. That's how dinosaurs end. That's a crazy and yet great ending to that yeah. show, which I never th- gave much uh, no. much thought. Everyone, to. everyone in the world dies. Wow. Yes, because you didn't uh, you didn't pay attention to the environment. You fucking idiots. That's a, that's the interesting. End. That's interesting. Yeah. They still love, love each other as a family, but they all die together. Yeah. Like, not on screen, but they're well, yeah, going yeah. to. You assume that. Yeah. The baby does. Wow. The baby. Yeah. It's 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 a heck of a thing. I thought I've brought that up on the show. No, before. you never have before. Yeah. It's uh, well, it's. Is this like? Did you watch this on YouTube or something? Yeah. Jeez. They were talking about shows that had very dark endings. Oh, okay. And they went like, "Have you seen Dinosaurs? No. Let me watch that. Whoa." <laughs> Yeah, well, that's fast. It makes me kind of want to watch it. Yeah, I wouldn't really. Their understand sexual harassment it. episode is actually quite good too. Huh? There's a character called Sexual Harris. Okay. And he's always like coming on to everybody really hard. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's asking what did sexual hair what sexual Harris meant. 
no one knows what sexual harass meant. Okay. And uh, then they have to kind of break it down and deal with huh. it. What do they work for? The CBC? Mm. That's how they pronounce it. Oh, is that right? Harassment. Yeah. Yeah. Just as they also say schedule. Good for us. Good for, good for the style guide at the CBC. Yeah, but that was a Henson thing, you know. That was a that was a show oh, that, that was a Henson show. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. Okay, and I guess so. It had run its course, or was it intended in that way? I think I it was. Uh, I think it was being canceled, and they decided to go off on uh, a message. Yeah, because well, how are you going to end a show about dinosaurs? Why not? Yeah, and they they had a thing though. Was early, it, was early, it, sorry, was Angel in there as a dark ending as well? No, uh, that's pretty well, dark ending too. It, it depends how you feel about. It, but but I one, really like the ending. of One Angel. of the things though in in the thing was uh, they said like, "Hey, dinosaurs have been around for millions of years. We're not going anywhere." Yeah, yeah, that was the thing. They thought they were immortal. Sure, ah, they weren't. Uh, do you th- <laughs> so do you, I feel like that has a lot of uh, real life uh, parallels. Yeah, and I don't think Angel was necessarily a uh, a, a, a negative. Uh, no, I don't. Thing. I don't think so at all. I mean, it is in the sense that they're facing what appear to be insurmountable odds but the fact that they go out heroically is is uh in, in their favor yes i really enjoyed that uh final season i know you have some issues with it with fred's uh yes what I happened to like fred's that. i think it's obviously is a terrible thing a callous thing well i but don't like the idea that they that they uh you had a, a character who was brave and kind and yeah. did good things and they were able to destroy her soul. Yeah. So she did not. She did not get uh, any any reward or any peace. It was just she was taken over, completely violated, and became another character. And I thought that was so infinitely unfair. Like I don't <laughs> mind a character dying. Yeah. But if you establish to me that there's an immortal soul, yeah. And then through no fault of their own, a person loses their immortal soul. <clears throat> uh, I, I I don't like that in the narrative of the world. I think that's something that's so egregious that you have to address that, or the other characters <coughs> should not be able to go. Yep, life goes on. Yeah. No, they should uh, <clears throat> fix that. No, yeah, it's a it's a fascinating. <laughs> Excuse me. Sure, sure. <coughs> <coughs> What here's, I, the, here's the important thing to know is like we've been doing the <clears throat> the full marks podcast and when we do those podcasts <coughs> dave smokes a full cigar uh uh you know a, episode, yeah. dollars. yes uh what i enjoyed about that sequence and i, <coughs> I agree with you that it's harsh I mean, is um the long game of that plot line how many seasons it stretched to get to that ending yes it's amazing and I enjoyed that element of it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Still dying. <laughs> we'll take we'll take a break. We'll, we'll take you, a break. We'll no, take I'm, a break I'm okay now. I just needed, yeah, I'm fine. All I right. got rid of that. Do you mouse. need to get some water or something? Should I go get you some water? Mm, no, I'm okay. okay. All right. Because I'm, I'm happy to. No, I'm fine. All right. Well, why don't we then go to now. Uh, yes. Why don't we go to uh, our traditional, um, you know, third act. <laughs> third act? Uh, which is. Uh, Do I take out the gun now? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, and, uh, we, what we've been doing lately is we've been talking about, uh, people's favorite movies and you've been nice enough to send us, uh, your lists of films. Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, we just talk about the movies and say things like, oh, I agree. Or, uh, you know, <coughs> or I've got a hacking cough or I haven't seen said movie. So what Maybe are... Maybe if you could get some water for me. Sorry. Sure, sure. Everyone is soothing my 
throw it with a little water. Thank a little you, Ian. Room temperature tap water. That is fine. I just need a little bit of, to wet my whistle. So we got some. I'm sorry, I do not know our correspondents. Name for all right, name. they shall remain anonymous, they shall remain as anonymous as they like, and it's only movies with people who are anonymous in it. That is correct. Uh, this is from M. Smith. Thank you, M. I assume M is for Monsieur Monsieur Smith. Uh, so he says, uh, or she says, damn hard this movie picking business sure is the obvious top few being no problem, but then things go blank, then there's too much, then the crap now. No, I'm forgetting something obvious. I'll remember tomorrow. Yep. Narrowed in the end to 13 and eeny, meeny, miny mode of this last three to finalize my top 10 today. Good. Ask me next week. No. Here it is. Okay. And whoever you are, hello. All right. Yes, and thank you for this. And I, and I was looking, uh, when I was looking for the, the, um, the email from this, uh, the email notification, because this is a comment on the site. Ah. Um, I noticed that M. Smith first commented on episode 28. Oh, wow. So he slash she has been with us for a long time. Okay. So thank you for being a long-time listener. Appreciate it. I don't even listen that I haven't even listened that long. I'm right. doing the dumb thing. They've, they've listened for so long that their name is withered away to one letter. <laughs> to one letter. So first movie, number 10. Okay. Apocalypse Now. Yeah, that's a, that's a movie and a half. It's an amazing movie. Yeah. It is actually a movie I think that you can watch... You could watch sort of endlessly and get get things out of. Yeah, uh, I also am a big fan of uh, Heart of Heart of Darkness, the documentary about mm. the making of it. Yeah, in fact, I saw that before I saw Apocalypse Now. Oh, I really? saw a Double Bill with that, and then Apocalypse Now. So maybe that altered how I saw it. Sure. Uh, but uh, yeah, I always put those two together now. Heart of Darkness is interesting because, you know, I mean, Coppola comes across a little unpleasantly in that film. Sure. But I think. Everyone's you, unpleasant in that film. Well, you're doing something so monumental that it's really hard. You really have to push yourself and everyone around you to get this vision done, you know, and it's the frustration of, of working with unreliable, you know, government agencies who you, you're relying on to right. provide, you know, the, the, the air support and stuff like that as part of your movie who may or may not show up when they're supposed to. Yeah. Is, uh, you know, it's just, Martin's you dead know. when I say he's dead. Yes. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, it's it's such a it's such a but He gra- also didn't he also suffer a heart attack during the yeah. during the making? Yeah. yeah, it's such a grand uh-huh. it's such a grand movie with such big ideas that it is interesting to then see the documentary and see that it was made by people. Flawed people Flawed trying people. their best who sometimes yeah. didn't know what they were doing and some some of the things you see that are like, "Oh, that must be so planned." Yeah. Was an accident. And like you know, punching the mirror and bleeding, and yeah, it's like yeah. oh, so he was really bleeding. I was like, oh, yeah, 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 sure, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's that part of it's very yeah, very interesting. the The fact that the fact that Marlon Brando showed up on set overweight without any without having without learning any of his lines, and then Coppola basically had to rewrite the ending of the film, not rewrite the whole end of the film, but you know, do a major change to how the movie was sure. going to end because he had to to fit this you know his this person that he trusted, yeah, that he absolutely trusted. I mean, when he did The Godfather, the studios didn't want Marlon Brando to be involved in the film because he had such, he had such a bad reputation by this point. And Coppola really wanted Brando in the role, and he he promised them, you know, I promise you that Marlon Brando is going to show up. He's going to be in fighting form. He's going to be ready to do this movie. He's going to do a great job. And so they said, well, it's on you, yeah, you know. And Brando did show up. He showed up in shape. He knew his lines. He did a 
you know, performance of his career. When it came time for Apocalypse Now, he did the exact opposite. You know, Coppola trusted him and he showed up out of shape, out not knowing his lines, mm-hmm. not caring about the project, you know, and, and so Coppola had to deal with that frustration, dealing with a cokehead, Dennis Hopper, dealing with, uh, you know, uh, probably lots of drug use in that set. Yeah. By the nature of the time period and stuff like that, and yet out of all that confusion, it's such a beautiful and amazing and scary and philosophically interesting uh, exploration of so many different la- levels and layers. Yeah, and like I say, it's a it's a real it's About a real war and beyond. Yeah, it's a real glass onion that you can endlessly. Good Lawrence Fish Fishburne first first uh, sure. first work. He's so young in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting. It's a it's an amazing film I, and. And think of you know, in terms of visuals, like the napalming, the yeah. napalm bombing uh, run. The just a scene where where Martin Sheen uh, comes out of the water with his eyes open, yeah, and which apparently was done backwards because it's really hard to come out yeah. of the water with your. So they filmed him going into the water with his yeah. eyes open and then reversed it, which is smart. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's just those little little bits, you know, that just that make that movie amazing. And yeah, just and the fact that only two people make it on the boat voyage from the beginning to to the end and both of them are crazy yeah you know it's just yeah it's, it's a good statement on on the war itself yeah. <laughs> and have you ever seen the plantation scene the french plantation scene when i think i it's, have it's a, it's a deleted it was a deleted yeah, scene i think i have and I, I i've seen it because i saw the deluxe apocalypse redux, redux whatever it's called yeah, yeah. yeah i saw that yeah. one and I didn't like that scene very much. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, this is right to take that out. That was a little too on the nose. You don't really need it. And we don't, the French experience in Indochina is not that important to the, the story of the American experience in, in the, in the war. So yeah, it's interesting. Did I ever tell you that my dad was, uh, when he finished his basic training and did his year, his year of service, uh, for the American army, he was offered the opportunity to sign up again and go to Vietnam and act as a advisor to the South, the South Vietnamese no, army. They wanted him to train and, and they wanted to train him in helicopters, flying a helicopter. And then they wanted him to go there and, and, uh, and do that. But my dad, who his dream was to go into radio. He, that was the whole reason he went into the army. He, uh, he said, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good fellas. I think I'll carry on without you. Right. <laughs> so long. And then yeah. his story was later told by Ron Williams in Good Morning Vietnam. Uh, no, by Martin Scorsese in the film Goodfellas. That's what I thought of after I said of Goodfellas. <laughs> Number nine. Number nine, everyone. I don't know this film. Goodfellas. So, <laughs> this is a, a movie called A Little Princess. He says the 1995 version. Yeah. Do you know this well, movie? I do, and I can't remember it, and I feel bad. It's about a little girl who's sent to a boarding school yes. by her dad who's going into world, being sent, who's going off to fight in World War One. Yeah. And she, uh, I guess, is a bit of a dreamer, and she she has this hard ass uh, head of the school played by Eleanor Braun, who uh, I know best from the film Help, where she played the uh, the woman who's uh, part of the kill cult that's trying to 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 knock off Ringo. Yeah, I, I did see this movie. Okay, and darned if I can remember it, but I did. Uh. I do remember I liked it, and there was something about India in it. It feels like okay, that's what I'm remembering. But I'm sorry, I've not seen that film. No, I do remember I liked it, but I can't remember what it's about. I am so sorry. <laughs> okay, num- number eight. But see it, because I liked it. Uh, number eight. Sometimes Ian, we, Ian, we haven't seen the movies. Ian has nothing to add to that one. No, aside from that I, I liked it. I, and it was like, uh, I remember it was a bit thrilling. It was a bit of a thrilling oh, really? film. Yeah. Just hiding from things. Was thrilling. Oh, okay. Yeah, remember that much. Well, if I ever see it on somewhere, I'll, I'll make a yeah. point of, of watching it. By the way, yeah, if we ever don't... <laughs> 
like if we ever see these movies, we will talk about them. Yeah, yeah, show. yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, this film is a it's a uh, Jean Luc Godard film called Vivre Sa Vie. I have not seen that, but how about you? Uh, to live her life. I have seen this film. It's been a while since I watched it, but um, I went through a little Godard time when I was younger and made a point of watching a bunch of his film, a Buddha Souffle and Alphaville and yeah. whatnot. And it's been a Godard Day's Night. You saw that one as well. Godard Day's Night. Yeah. I did see that one. Uh, he actually did direct a film. It's called Sympathy for the Devil Now. I believe it was called like 12 by 5 or something like that. It was a movie about the Rolling Stones. Oh. Well, it intercut them in this, boringly in the studio working up uh, sympathy for the devil yeah and then it was intercut with a lot of like shots of revolutionaries in 1968 in paris all the situationists and stuff like that making making a mess of the streets of paris uh it's it's, it's okay but viva is isn't it is a very curious film it's it's a movie about <clears throat> it has a du- dual story it's um i mean i'm i don't want to say i'm uneducated i'm untutored okay so it's a film that i would call f- like I would describe it as being formalist, form, like being more, being partly about the form of movies and not necessarily just about a story of, you know what I mean? Okay. So it, it has an element because it's told in chapters. Right. So it'll have like a scene with a title and it'll tell you the various things that you'll see or will be talked about in the scene. And so it'll be like, you know, uh, cafe, um, you know, breaking up pinball machine. And those are all be related in, into the scene. Uh, and in the story is a story of a woman who's married and has a child, but who leaves her husband and child because she wants to become an actress. And then she I guess realizes that that's very hard to do. And so then she kind of sinks down and becomes a prostitute in order to keep, keep okay. herself going. And it just gets worse. I don't want to give away this whole story, but it just kind of, it's a sort of slow sinking of someone into degradation. Okay. And it's a very interesting film, but there's elements of it where there's a chapter where uh, Godard narrates the scene. So you just have the director of the film telling you what's happening, which is very strange, right? But that's yeah. part of what he was exploring, not just the story itself, but how you tell a story and which various ways you can oh, okay. do it. And the movie, a lot of it is close-ups on her. You very rarely see the faces of the other people around her. Yeah. You just see heads and backs and, and stuff like that. You know, There's a scene of her working in a record shop, which is kind of fun to watch because she's has a little like European EPs and stuff like that and they're kind of peculiar uh, packaging and, and that's sort of fun to watch for a nerd like me. But yeah, it's a very, a very affecting film. Uh, I really, I really enjoy uh, John Luc Godard, I think. About that time period, I think he, later on, he kind of loses, loses me because the movie's become too formalist and, and, okay. and not, doesn't have enough natural, you know, dramatic content. It's more about, it's become so much about form and, and, film and what film is and is this real and what does it mean how does this chant how do what i'm saying what i'm showing to you how does it affect you and it's sort of you know it's just cool thanks thanks good art number seven i love this movie number seven okay it's when i, I love, saw this i love you man i when i saw, when I saw this on on Monsieur smith's list i just thought i wish i was i wish that was on my list because this movie is valley girl Oh, with Nicolas Cage. I haven't seen that for a long, long. Yeah, time. it's been a long time for me too. I mean, the was time that Nicolas I Nicolas Cage's like big breakout role. So I, like I know he was Mary, in like Mary Rumb- Lou. like Rumble Fisher. He was in one of those movies. Like he was he was in something yeah. when he was when he was Coppola when he was Nicolas uh, Coppola. Okay, that could be his big breakout. I mean, that was a movie where I first like thought, oh, this guy's really good. Yeah. Uh, this in Vampire's Kiss. It's like oh, and Birdie. That was another film where you're okay. just like, wow, this guy really likes to chew the scenery. But in a good way. Yeah. At that time, in a good way. 
Uh, and Valley Girl is great because it has great music in it. For one thing, it's all it's kind of set more in like a new wave setting, which is you know was right up my alley at that time period. And it's basically like a Romeo and Juliet story. Sure. Yeah, he's a punk punk guy, and, and she's a Valley she's Girl. A valley Girl, uh, and which was very because of the Frank Zappa song was very much in the uh, in the cultural era. The idea now, how of valley close Girls was were. the Moon Unit Zappa song to uh, to to this film? Like how like no, it's not related from? at all. But oh, I see. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, maybe a couple years difference. Okay. So I seem to remember the Zappa song coming out when I was in grade ten. Okay. Me. That's when everyone got the gag me with a spoon and oh my god mm-hmm, and that. Mm-hmm. But also Lorraine Newman used to do that character on Saturday Night Live as okay, well. The okay. very much a Valley Girl character. And Whoopi Goldberg also had a character that was very much like that too. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Zappet has heard his daughter talking like that and decided it was hilarious and he just recorded her. Like she was a Valley Girl. Yeah. That's the milieu she grew up in. And so he just recorded her talking and then just edited them into a into a musical that he, a musical like an instrumental that he already had and then added the valley girl stuff to it uh here's a weird question that song is not in the movie was that yeah oh i understand that here's a quick question about that though sure. was that his biggest hit yeah, oh yeah wow for sure that's interesting he was not a not a hit songwriter no 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 i know but uh, it's interesting to have uh, I think, to hit it with that yeah maybe something from shake your booty was also kind of a hit song but most of his albums just didn't really you know, not that many people want to hear like nope. complicated fusion with a lot of percussive elements and xylophones clanging away. This is not not where people are. No, am I remembering correctly? Did Valley Girl have kind of a dark ending? Did it go? Well, it's a kind of Romeo and Juliet. If it's a Romeo story. and Juliet, then it's going to have to, right? I don't remember the ending now. Sorry, as it has. I been don't know why, but it feels me. like to me that like uh, it was. I was all surprised when I was around that age when a movie had like went dark. Yeah, yeah. like there was a movie called uh, Last American Virgin that was kind of. It looked like it was like a typical booby comedy of okay. the time. Yeah. And it ends really sad. Oh, really? Like, and it takes you aback and like, yeah. what? And I've always remembered that. Yeah, but it feels, I don't know why, but it feels like the Valley Girl ended sad too. Tell me if I'm wrong, uh, M. <laughs> Let me know. But yeah, see Valley Girl. If you don't see I, Valley Girl. Yeah, it's just a movie it's where... Good poster too. <laughs> it's one of those movies where, you know, obviously because of my, my movie watching habit, I watched it once. But I really liked it. It always stuck with me for a long time. Very good. The next film is a... It's a curious choice to me. It's not a film. Uh, a curious it's case a, of Benjamin Button. It's a f- no, no. Curious George. Because I use words does not mean that they are part of the movie thing. Okay. Uh, it's sort of an ordinary movie. Ordinary people. Exactly. I mean, it was an Oscar-winning movie, mm-hmm. but it's weirdly a disregarded Oscar-winning movie. If you like, say to someone, if someone said, "Yo, oh, what won the Oscar in 1980 or whatever this movie was," and he said, "Ordinary people," they'd be like, "What? What? Ordinary people won." Yeah, ordinary people. Yeah, Mary Tyler Moore, Timothy Hutton. Timothy Hutton won. Did Mary Tyler Moore win an Oscar? For Robert Redford's in it as well, or did he just? Uh, did I he direct it? I don't think he's in it. Who directed it? Was it Robert Redford? Was someone who was like a star actor who kind of made a? Yeah, I just remember like uh, Mary Tyler Moore. Uh, it was a surprise that she was uh, that she was in it. She was very good. I mean, she played a very very unsympathetic character in that film as yeah. kind of a very cold mother. Who I think was a common in the days. Yeah, Donald Sutherland's in it. That's Judd right. Hirsch, Elizabeth yeah. uh, McGovern. Mm. It's a, a M. Ellet, Wa- Emmett Walsh. Sure. Very good. Okay, but who is the director? That is Please an excellent question that. that will now be answered by the internet. <laughs> okay. Director. Yeah, that's a good cast. Uh, it's just kind of an actor's actor's movie, isn't it? Uh, lots of people there who can. You're right. Robert Redford directed it. Oh yeah. Come on up high. <laughs> nice job, Sundance. <laughs> Thank you. Was he Butch or Sundance? I believe he was Sundance. All right, Butch. 
Very nice. Yeah, Timothy Hutton is uh, in uh, my wife's, the pilot for my wife's uh, comics uh, thing. Okay. Why? Oh. So he's playing uh, the president. He's, in he's that. also in the new uh, Jack Ryan he uh, certainly series is. on, yeah. on uh Where he's on near the top of the White House there and like, oh, it looks like he made his way to president eventually. And then <laughs> every man in the world died. It's too bad. And he, uh, yeah, it's interesting because we haven't heard from him for a while. So it's nice to see him back working again. Which is why I brought, I, I've brought up Ordinary People a couple of times because people ask, like, who's in, in the movie? I'm like, well, Diane Lane, uh, not movie, pilot. Diane Lane's in it. Timothy yeah. Hutton is like, who's Timothy Hutton? Well, Timothy Hutton. Uh, I was in Ordinary People. I was like, what's that? I'm like, oh, well, you should see Ordinary People because, <laughs> but I guess it's also kind of an unpleasant movie to watch. You know, it's not like it's a very good emotional. Time. Yeah, yeah, that's it's right. A very emotional. Uh, film. Set, set yourself to drained uh, by the end of it. Uh, but it's, but it's very, very effective, very yeah. bold. Uh, and yeah, I can understand why it's, uh, nominated for Oscars. Yeah. Won Oscars. Talking about it kind of makes me want to see it again, but at the same time, I don't really want to see it again because. Yeah, it's very. It's a very, it's a pretty dark film. Yeah, it it's, takes a, your heart it's about out. loss and it's about dealing with loss and, and it's, and it's, an, it's, I mean, there obviously are still kind of narcissists or cold mothers that, but I feel like there's not as many now because the obligation of having children isn't the same as it was mm-hmm. in the 60s, 50s and 60s, where that was just what you did. Right. When you reached, uh, you know, when you reached an age, you you got married and then you had kids. And that and was you your were, job. You were kind of forced to have kids. Yeah. And then who could you complain about it to? No one. So you took it out on your kids. Yeah. Because yeah. you were allowed to do that. So the kids took the brunt of that. Uh-huh. And yeah, that's kind of what this is about. Lots of stories I've heard from people who, you know, had, you know, uh, people in their lives, their grandmas and stuff like that, who just did not care at all for their families. No. And it's really fascinating. They didn't want to have kids. They didn't want to have kids. Or once they did, they realized it wasn't for them or it, it was yeah. holding them back. Or Yeah. 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 It's, uh, I think like Mary Tom Moore was a good example of that because she was the perfect mom from the Dick Van Dyke show. Yes. She was the loving wife, perfect mom. Uh, you know, she was Maritime Moore who was also, you know, uh, but, but, but that was a single woman who was like, yeah. But like going back to, yeah, what if, uh, what if though Dick Van Dyke's wife, uh, hated me and that, <laughs> yeah, and she, and she was, she was great. She just, uh, it's funny that movie has sort of shaped how I see her. Mm hmm. And it's, it's funny, like, she really should have done, done some more acting after that just to kind of take the edge off that movie. As kind of, I know she's done little bits, but never really successful things. Yeah. And that movie kind of stands as her last statement as a, as an actress. It's right because they tried doing something, pardon me, <coughs> with, uh, with her, with, um, uh, Valerie Harper, uh, Harper, where they were almost doing like a Lou Grant thing yeah. where it was Mary and Rhoda, but it, they, they were both divorced or like one of them was a widow. Uh, and, uh, it was like, what are we going to do with their lives now? I was like, oh, let's have a little stretch here with the characters, but they really weren't able to no, land, land no, that. Because neither actress was willing to, to go, go there. Yeah. That was a problem with that show. I, I watched, a, I watched an episode of it. And when you're watching it, you're like, oh, this actor is not committed to this part. They don't want to go there because there's a lot of pain yeah. in that. And it's already, it reflects their own life and they just don't want pain. So it is, it's a, it's interesting. And by the way, Ordinary People is a, is a great film. And even if you just think of who's in it, it's, fan, it's amazing. Absolutely. Uh, number five. Isn't Donald Sutherland an amazing actor? Yeah. He's actually convinced us at some point that he was handsome. That's how good an actor he is. There was yeah. a time. There was a time. I know it's hard to believe now. Yeah. But like, there's a movie like Don't Look Now. Yeah. That movie has Don't Look Back. No, Don't Look Now. Has a long, long graphic yeah. Sex scene. Sure. Between him yeah. and Julie Christie. All right. And it's supposed to be pleasant. Sure. But Not it's Donald, Donald Sutherland. Yeah. yeah. 
It's like watching someone being attacked by a praying mantis. Sure. Like, that is acting. If you can convince people mm-hmm. that you're handsome when you look like a cadaver that's walking around, mm. you are an amazing actor. You know, I think you're, I think you're being kind. <laughs> I think, I think Sometimes I just have to say what I'm thinking. I think when thinking. Canadians watch him, they go like, yeah. well, his relative gave us health care, so we got to cut him some slack. Mm. When I watch him act, you know what I think? What's I just that? think to myself, I go, that is the sound of Ontario. That sure. accent. You'll meet a lot of people from Ontario, and they'll sound exactly like Donald Sutherland. In fact, there's a guy who goes, he doesn't go to our church, but he's married to a woman who, who sings a choir with me. And when I hear that guy talk, I'm like, oh, this is Donald, Donald, Donald Sutherland I'm yeah. talking to. And uh, he's just because he comes from the same area. I, I didn't uh, I didn't watch it, but uh, he's in Pride and Prejudice, right? Yes, he plays the father. Right. So I, I came home as my wife was watching the very end of Pride and Prejudice, and he was yep. sitting down, had the very long hair. Mm-hmm. I was being talked to by uh, Kira Kira Knightley, yeah. Kira Knightley, who plays uh, Elizabeth. In there the you film. go. And I saw that, and I went like, "Oh, I think like after he did this movie, he went, this is all I want to do. I want to have, I want to be sitting, have yeah. long white hair, and I want to have pretty women talk to me, and then I'm going to look surprised, and then occasionally <laughs> angry, and then surprised again. Okay. But I always want to be sitting yeah. with beautiful long hair." beautiful woman in front of me really? can i be in that can i just do that forever as movies well, now? Na- name another movie that he's like that hunger in. games okay that's there true he's the president of the world yeah also every other movie he does <laughs> okay yes number number five is alive this is a short circuit this is a very dear film to me it's oh a, bambi city lights <laughs> oh the chaplain, chaplain. Film, i have he, not seen it so where I'm he helps comment. where he's a he's the poor tramp in that film a character he never really never really gave up which is interesting like buster keaton when he moved into feature films he gave up his character he he no longer wore slap shoes he got rid of his pork pie flatted pork pie hat uh and baggy pants stuff like that and he dressed as a character so when he played a rich boy like in the navigator yes he dressed like a rich boy wore like nice suits and nice pooch uh, nice poos nice shoes and uh i'm sure he had nice poos he was a rich boy yeah but he um you know, or when he was in the general, he dressed like he was a Civil War era engineer. He dressed in those kind of clothes. He sure. had hair like that. He would grow his hair long for the part because that was the, the style of the time. Same with our hospitality. He grew out his hair for that role because that was the style of the time. Okay. Uh, Chaplin never escaped that character that he developed, the tramp. The tramp was, he played the tramp in the shorts. He played the tramp in the feature films. And he never stopped playing the tramp until he stopped making silent comedies. Uh the last one being uh, Modern Times, which is my personal favorite Charlie Chaplin film, which I think came out in 34. It came out well into the sound era, but it was still a silent movie mm-hmm. with a slight bit of talking and some sound effects in it. City Lights, though, which is my second favorite film, is a beautiful, beautiful movie about a tramp who is in love with a blind woman, and he is able to, so sad, he's able to, uh, somehow he raises the money, enough money for her to have an operation to restore her sight. Right. And when he sees her and she's enjoying her life, she's suddenly no longer this poor girl who's selling flowers because she has no other opportunities and she doesn't know who he is. So so he blinds her again? <laughs> no, he does not. <laughs> and it's just so heartbreaking. It's such a heartbreaking yeah. mo- moment in that Sorry film. Sorry for being a jerk. Thing. You are a jerk, but it's okay. Uh, it's okay. Everyone knows it. Everyone was thinking that when he said it too. Um, he... Uh, <laughs> he... <laughs> he... <inside> now. <laughs> um, <clears throat> he... Um, 
Yeah, it's just a it's just a masterpiece of of uh, cinema. Of cinema, you know. It's Where did perfect. you see it? Was it on television? Or on yeah, TV? I saw it on TV. Yeah, I've never. Okay. I only ever seen one Charlie Chaplin film in a film, like in a movie setting, which was actually in in a classroom. A teacher played the Gold Rush for us, which is probably like the first silent film I ever comedy I ever saw. Uh, and of course, it just made blew my mind. Maybe want to see all of them if I could. Do you think um, Chaplin felt the same way as uh, like sometimes clowns feel, where they have developed this character with a certain makeup and whatever, yeah. and that's all they want to be? And like, you know, why don't you take the makeup off and do other yeah. funny stuff? It's like, no, this is yeah, yeah. this is my character because that's what it feels like with the tramp. Is the tramp is a clown? Yeah. He behaves as a clown. He's got large shoes. He uh, he he walks like a clown. He does clown type things. Yeah, he pulls sure. your heartstrings. Yeah, uh, yeah. I just wonder if, if, you, if yeah, you it might have. Like that. I mean, he certain. I mean, Taplin, unlike Keaton, was 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 very was very uh, maudlin. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a very melodramatic sense of of art, and and I think that he enjoyed the the luxury of of a character like that, where you it's already melodramatic. Yeah, you're playing a you're playing a down yeah. and out character. You know, in whatever situation you put him in, it's it's ripe with irony and and and, and melodrama and you know the sort of I don't want to call it cheap emotionalism, but it's easy emotionalism sure. that you can quickly tra- translate into the into the film. Uh, and also, it allows you to be anonymous outside of the movies. Say, unlike Keaton, who was very recognizable because he appeared as himself in the films, Chaplin could probably walk around and be practically unrecognizable. Hmm. You know, he had gray hair in real life. He didn't have dark hair. Sure. He didn't wear a mustache. He yeah. didn't have, you know, thick, uh, you know, coal, the mascara around his eyes. He, uh, he, you know, so that. And he had a British accent. And he had a British accent as well, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he appeared in newsreels and stuff as himself, as Charlie Chaplin. Uh, but he was notoriously, uh, bad tempered and not a fun person in real life. Um, but not a mean person, though, either. He just, he was, you know, just, he was just, I think he's sort of competitive and, and, you know, kind of very demanding and, very, but also demanding of himself. Yeah. And what's interesting with Chaplin is, is he had no problem. He put art, he put the, the creation of his films above anything, you know, like, and making them good. Like the Gold Rush, when he was making the Gold Rush, he actually ended, he hit a point in making that film where he couldn't figure out what to do next. He just could not, for the life of him, think of what, the next step was in this film sure and so he just shut down the production for like five months or something wow and that kind of power yeah yeah well it was was his own money in the movies he didn't yeah yeah that's what you know he was part of that's what because he was one of the founders of united artists he mary pickford and douglas fairbanks who when they founded it were all the the biggest stars in hollywood and so you know they could raise the necessary capital to make their own movies and then they used United Artists as a distribu- distribution arm to put those movies out into the into the world, and and Chaplin was very very canny, you know, a very very you know had a great mind, like a great business mind. Unlike Keaton, Chaplin warned Keaton not to sign with MGM. He said it will kill you. You need to be your own right. guy. But Keaton, unlike Chaplin, had no education, and he had no way. He you know he could barely read, and he just did not. All those things were just not what he wanted to do. He wanted to make movies. He didn't want to deal with the, with paperwork and all that sort of thing. So to him, that was, that was terrible. So he wanted other people to take care of that for him and he could just make movies. What he didn't understand when he signed with MGM is that's not what MGM was yeah. either. They didn't want to just, they didn't want you just to make movies. They wanted to show you how to make movies. You're going to make a movie the MGM way and we're going to show you how. 
and you don't like it, we're just going to crush you into this mold. You don't quite fit, but if we push really hard, we can make it work. That's nice. Smart. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah, sounds great. But uh, yeah, whereas Chaplin, I mean, you know, he could take the the risk, the absolute risk, you know, of making Modern Times in 1934, you know, and uh, a film that was a silent movie. Yeah. But he had the cachet, he had the fame, he had the fans that people would still go see him in a silent film. And, uh, you know, that movie was a was a huge success in his time. And probably, you know, having the fact that he speaks, even though it's uh, in nonsense in the film, that probably helped draw some people to it. Because you could, you know, Chaplin speaks, but it also has Paulette Goddard in it, who's so beautiful. The daughter of John Luke Goddard. Okay, nice. Just kidding, not the daughter. Because they're, okay. they're 30 years Oh, I didn't different know that. Ages. There you go, you fooled me. <laughs> All right. Well, that was, me once. that was nice. On, shame on you. I just want to say to um, to Monsieur Smith that I am all on your side on on, on these, some of these choices. Very good. Uh, number four. Yep. Fantastic Four. No. Fantastic Four Two. Yes. The new Fantastic Four movie. No. The original one with uh, Roger Corman. Yes. Okay. Uh, number four is Diner. The okay. Barry Levinson. Film. I saw that on video. I think when it first came out. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, good acting. I thought, you know what? I was young enough that I went, why is everyone going to be a jerk? Bug me that everyone was a jerk. Yeah. You know? And I was like, why, why is this movie full of jerks? Mm. You know, just be nice. It bothered me. But I was so young when I saw it that yeah. I probably didn't uh, comprehend the depth of it. Yeah. Uh, my, f- I do like that film a lot. Great cast. And it's a good. Paul, Paul Reiser, Mickey uh, Rourke. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Bacon. And Daniel Stern. And, uh, I think Alf was in it as well. The actor, oh. Alf. The character, went on to, yeah, the character who was later in the sitcom Alf. Alf. If I remember it correctly. Sure. Was he was pounding back cats. He was in the bottom of the popcorn box. Sure. Ew. <laughs> um, that was the disturbing scene to me in that movie. Oh, absolutely. I just, you know, there's a lot, I mean, that movie is, is interesting, but when you watch it as a kid, even if a kid in the 80s, which I look back as a kid in the 80s, I feel like, man, were we some backwards motherfuckers? Oh, but you watch that movie. You're like, oh man, well, that must have been a hard, hard world to grow up this in. This is a, it's a real trick sometimes to go like, hey, '80s movies that I really, really like. Let's watch you now and see how problematic you are. <laughs> Gah, well, I'm just gonna watch Teen Wolf now. Let's can't just be watch that bad. Sure, Teen Wolf's sure gotta be fine. fine huh? Hey, I got something to tell you. Okay, you better not be a fag. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> or, or I think he was gonna beat you to death it was like what the hell no he's a werewolf well that's fine that's well fine. what's wrong with you yeah, yeah you know and you're like at least you didn't have something like that in back to the future but they did but they cut the scene you know what would be interesting remember, you remember what that oh, scene sorry. was what back to the future they cut a scene they cut the scene the homophobic scene oh i didn't know that here was the scene okay uh, it was uh it was it was it was talking about you know uh, if he had had sex with his mom yeah you know wait if i had sex with my mom uh wouldn't that make me gay he says that to uh yeah what? Yeah, does that make a lick of sense to anything? No. No, that doesn't make you it's just gay. Just because gay was hilarious. Yeah. Because that's what gay people do. I was just they have thinking, sex with their mothers. I was just thinking that they the should hell? remake... But they cut it. They should remake Teen Wolf as Teen Fag and just have him turn gay during the werewolf sequences instead of just... So make the movie exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen Teen Wolf, so I actually have no idea what I'm talking but about. But you're a big fan of the Teen Wolf TV show. Yeah, but which is very homoerotic. That, which, that which, good on them. Like yeah. that to me. When that was I like heard, a makeup kiss. That's totally what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, which yeah. is like, okay, listen, we know there was that scene in Teen Wolf. 
Yeah. What we're going to do yeah. is we're going to redo this. Sure. Make it the most homoerotic thing you've ever seen. Mm. We're going to have lots of showering guys. Yeah. We're just going to go to town. I mean, that was for the girls, too. It wasn't just... Uh... It's for the girls. Yeah. But it's really for the, we're so sorry about <laughs> what that original movie was. You're right. Let's just take care of this. I think you're right. I think there was a was a, a love letter, you know, sort of a, a mea culpa. Right. Mia Maxima culpa. What movie were we talking about that somehow we've got around to Teen Wolf? Oh, Diner. <laughs> Diner. Right. But the reason I brought that up is because I'm not talking about movies. It from just that time totally period. took a turn to where like we're going like, <laughs> here's the problem with Teen Wolf. The problem, the, uh, the, what? We had a, we had a, uh, a, 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 an aside, a, what are those called? We had a tangent. Tangent. Yes. Sorry. The, um, no, the reason, what, what I was meaning about Diner is just, like how desperate people were to like try try to have contact with women. I mean, yeah. I'm gonna put my penis in the bottom of a popcorn box, and she might touch it. Yeah, yeah. And then what would happen? Exactly. What's your backup plan, Butter Dick? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right? I know. I mean, the best is her punching the box. Yeah, yeah. A lot of uh, movies then were like, "Here's what I want to have sex. I'm gonna have to trick her." Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's weird to think that it was like that short a time ago that that was just well, just the, the thing. idea. And I mean, it is a and cult- you trick her. Okay. Good, good for you. It is a cultural. Good for you. It is a cultural idea yeah. that's it's still hanging around. Yeah. The idea that women don't like sex. Sure. That they only do it to get babies and blah 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 or whatever other reasons. Yeah, and so you know, or to control you or money or, or money whatever, or whatever. That's right. That there's no actual pleasure for them in in, yeah. in sex, and so. The idea, that, so the idea then is that as a guy, it's your job to trick a woman or force a woman into having sex with you, because that's the only way they will have sex with you. Right, and that's fair, right? Because you know it's, we deserve you know, it. We deserve We're guys, it. yeah. Just by walking around, we have uh, we have a right of access. Right, and that and thank you for listening to the incel hour. <laughs> <laughs> so we're forced we're forced to be this way yeah it's yeah it's a very uh, it's a it's a very uh and i mean i i grew up with those ideas because those were what i was taught you know and so it it's it takes you a long time to get past those those kind of preconceptions of you know cultural preconceptions of the idea of, of the virginal woman who cannot be touched you know it has to be a virgin or a slut, you know, and all these sort of things. Yeah. And there's no joy in it. There's no, there can be no pleasure or, or love in in that sort of thing. It's just, it's so wrong and, and mixed up. And I hope that it's disappearing as a, as a cultural idea. It's certainly uh, trying to be fought right now. Yeah. But, you know, again, you got those incel dudes. You I know, don't really so know what that is. I try to avoid. Okay, it's them. an involuntary celibates, and uh, they feel kind what? of that way. Oh, the girls won't pay attention to them. Yeah, and so because you're the, calling yourself incels. Yeah, it's not the greatest. Not term. helping yourself, guys. Yeah, it's not the greatest term. You know what, Dave? I think there's a there's an episode. Okay, this week there was an episode of Law and Order SVU that covered this. Oh, really? I think you need to watch it, and you're going to learn a little something. Hmm. Same way Ice T did. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's uh, move on. I'm glad Ice T is learning something. Oh Jesus! If you ever seen the, have you ever seen the John Mulaney uh, impression of Ice T, where it's like his whole thing is like Ice T works for a, uh, you know, the sexual victims unit, yeah. and never understands anything to do with this, so he's always learning things. Okay, so you're saying, and it just like fills in. I don't want to do his, I don't want to do his bit, but it's yeah. fantastic. Okay, just look that up online. Mm. It's a little treat, John Mulaney. Iced tea. All right. You're going to enjoy yourself. I might just put it on the website, everyone, if I like I think it. you should. If I like Number it. three. 
Number three. Do we have anything more to say about Diner? I just want to say one more th- thing about, about Diner. Because you wanted me to watch a scene for that movie. I did. Which is uh, the guy's reaction to his wife touching his records. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, you thought, oh, Dave will love this. And what'd you think? I thought the guy was a dick. Very good. But I don't let my wife touch my records. Okay. Unless she touches them through some popcorn. <laughs> I put all my records in box, bottoms of boxes of popcorn. <laughs> We're thinking, this record. Take out my big 10-inch record of the band that plays the blues okay um number three Trois. Trois. three's company the movie this is a pretty good movie i read oh, the book i read the book before i saw oh, the movie bold statement i read the book before i saw the movie the right stuff okay what do you think of that movie i didn't read the book i just saw the movie and i liked it it's one of the reasons i want to go see uh the new uh, film uh, F- uh first man because i like th- I-, I think that i think that set the tone for uh, movies about astronauts going to space. I thought it like unfolded things very, very well. You saw what things were like on the ground. You thought as you saw the training. Mm-hmm. Uh, before it was always kind of almost a magical thing of just like these are brave people. Uh, they went to space. Everything was fine, and they came back home. The end. Hooray! And that- instead, it was like, oh, this is insanely dangerous, and oh, there's all these people that are so worried about mm-hmm. them, and mm-hmm. yeah, it really showed you the culture uh, behind being an astronaut. And uh, but no matter what, no matter what they did, they could never be Sam Shepard, whatever whatever his character was in that. I can't remember the name of that. Yeah, that famous test pilot. Dang, but um, yeah, a great great cast once again. Sure, great cast of guys. And I was just thinking about Philip Kaufman, who directed that film, directed The Incredible Lightness of Being, which is another another really good film, and also Invasion of the Body Snatchers, another really good film with Donald Sutherland and yeah, yeah. Veronica Cartwright and. Maud, is it Maud Adams who's in the movie with Leonard Nimoy, and he's but he's a director. Kind of like what happened to that guy? Because he had such a such a role. What what happened to that guy? What movies has he done lately? You know, maybe he just did a couple of movies, made enough money, and uh, was done. You do make good money as a director. You don't have to work forever. Well, sometimes you kind of lose your ability to connect to people. Although you know what? What? What's that? What? What did he direct? Star Wars? What? Maybe he worked on the um. What? <laughs> What did he work on? So, an Invasion of the Body Snatchers was 1978. Sure. Which I, that's what I thought. The Right Stuff, 1983. Okay. The Unbearable Lightness of Being was 1988. That's with uh, with um, Daniel Day-Lewis. This all makes sense. Okay, I believe you so far. So, what's your shock? Well, it says that he was involved with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh. And in it, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Really? And I don't know what he... Did in those films. He was also involved in the Outlaw Josie Wales, which is a Clint Eastwood okay, film. Okay, yeah, sure. Which is a very long movie. <laughs> it's so long, it's still going on. I watched it. I watched it a uh, year or so ago with with Mary because she was interested in Chief Dan George. Yes. I was like, oh well, you should see him in this movie because he's very funny in that film. And and so we watched it. And I said to her, this is a very long movie. This movie is way too long. Uh, I wonder if he wrote the screenplay for it because I think that was before he was before he was a uh, you know. Right, and Chief Dan directed jo- by Eastwood. Chief Dan George is most famous for sitting mm. in front of uh, da- our friend David M. Uh, when he saw Monty Python live. That's right. That's right. That's, that's right. what. That's what he's most. That's famous what I'm for. most known for. Yeah, uh, yeah. Philip Co- Kaufman worked on the script for that, so he must have worked on the script for the for the um, for uh, those other movies because well, we know that Steven Spielberg directed Kingdom of the Crystal Skull and Last, Last Crusade. Crusade, so he must. I have, wonder if uh, he wrote the first part of that. 
uh, of Last Crusade where Indiana Jones has absolutely everything happen to him within 10 minutes. <laughs> like, you're scared of snakes. Mm. Uh, you know how to use a whip now. Yeah. Uh, you're, you got your scar. You got your scar. Everything ab- about you got your, your hat. You got your hat. You got your hat. Everything about you yeah. is this, is that. Yeah. He wrote it. He worked on the screenplay along with George Lucas and sure. Jeffrey Boam. Yeah. What a busy day you had, Indy. What so, a busy day. I mean, he's kept his hand. Then he did Henry in June. Okay. Uh, he did. Uh, sorry, I'm just looking. Looking. He also worked on the first Raiders of the Lost Ark as well. Oh. And on the. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Um. Did not on. Uh, apparently not. Not on uh, Temple of Doom. Not on Temple of Doom. Good for him. <laughs> I like that movie. I did not. I know. That's one of my most least liked movies. <laughs> It's fun. Temple of Dumb. Yeah, I agree with that, but it's still fun. Okay. Yeah, he's, well, he's meaning. Anyway, I was just curious because he's done, done. Uh, I mean, he made like some really good movies in a row and then he kind of went off the, but the right, the right stuff. Yes. It's, uh, I mean, in terms of like iconic films, the, the shot of the astronauts walking yeah, towards motion, you yeah. is beautiful. And, and I love, I mean, Tom Wolf, Tom Wolf, the writer, uh, his book, the right stuff, um, that movie actually does a good job of conveying his central thesis of of the book, which uh, which is basically that despite where the astronauts came from, they can never be as cool as their origins <laughs> because they actually didn't need to to steer the, the the capsules. They could have just put anyone into them, and it would have been it would have worked fine. They used test pilots because they were good under pressure, and you know were used to working in a in an occupation that had a, a had a high casualty rate yeah and so you know they felt you know so they didn't want to use insurance salesmen these people are not necessarily good under pressure and don't work in a job with a high casualty rate so but you know the movie constantly co- contrasts the sort of auto the sort of automatons that the astronauts became just sitting in a capsule being shot into space sitting in a capsule going around the world sitting in the capsule came back to earth yeah with someone like the Sam Shepard character, gosh darn, I wish I could remember the name of that famous test pilot, who we see, you know, flying in these exciting shots. And there's that great sequence of him flying in this, in this fighter jet that fails and he's falling back to earth and he just barely gets out of it. He, 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 uh, jettisoned, he ejects from the seat and, uh, you're trying to look him up now. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. And I mean, I read a book about, you know, read a book about that guy, but anyway, Gus, no, not Gus. Chuck Yeager. Chuck Yeager. Thank you. Yeah. And so he was kind of the, he was kind Chuck of. Chuck Yeager was actually in the movie as well. Yes. Yes. That's right. Yep. And he, uh, yeah, he's sort of like the, he's, he's kind of like the, the, the alpha of, even of all the people who are in this, in this space program. And he didn't want to be in the space program. He thought it was demeaning. Mm. And so it's an interesting contrast that, and Wolf really picked, picked that up. And it goes through his book, this idea of you, if you had the right stuff. And Chuck Yeager most definitely had the right stuff. And, uh, it's, uh, and the movie really does a good job of, of conveying that. I mean, the, obviously the book has a bit more detail and depth and stuff like that, but the, f- the film is still really good. Philip Kaufman, I mean, he is a pretty good director, but I think he's an even, an even better adapter of material. Mm-hmm. You know, something like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which to me is a, the best Invasion of the Body Snatchers film. And it's not that much different than the first one. It doesn't really go in lots of like, you know, let's go here. Let's put them in an army base or what, you know, something like that. It's just, it just tells the story really effectively and really emotionally, you know, and he has, he has a really good emotional tone to his films. That's what I say anyway. I say you do too. Number two. Number two. Oh, I lost it. 
is uh you know i have i've seen this movie but i really do not remember it which is uh on the waterfront oh Marlin. i have not i have not seen it so i i'm sorry about it. i've seen scenes he could have been a contender yes he could have been instead of a bum which is what he is but you know what's interesting about that film is that it's like it's like elia kazan i think he made it after he he made it after he testified right at Hueck. i think so yeah and it's basically like his his mea culpa his excuses sure, sure, yeah his his attempt to explain himself to hollywood that he wasn't a traitor yeah that he acted in and some people bought it some people didn't yeah some people clapped when he got his oscar some people didn't chris Recently, rock made a lot of fun yeah. called him a rat yep yeah it's uh I mean, I don't know if did he testify and not name names. People, some people did that. They testified as a friendly witness, but did not name names. It's such a, it's such a tough time. It's such a horrible thing to have put people through. It's so, it's so awful. Yeah. And you know, I get that you can like call someone a, like you can call someone a rat. I get that. I understand, and you're not wrong to feel but, that way. But, but you've never been through it. That's right. But you, <laughs> you, you, these people were put in through something. Yeah. You've got no idea. It, it feels like, you know, when people go, I'd never crack under torture. You got no idea, Jack. Yeah, you have no you idea. You got no idea. You know, you've got no idea when you're taken to the limit, what you're going to do, uh, in a certain circumstance. I mean, and then you look at things like today and go like, all right, where are we now? What are you going to do? Yeah. I would have done this. Would you have? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, let's yeah. see. Let's see. Would you have resisted working for ICE? Mm. Would you have resisted when the organization you work for that used to be about, there used to be a service that helped people become citizens, yeah. becomes a, uh, like a political tool, like a political, like a, but, but also like, like a, I don't want to call it a death squad, but like a, yeah, well, some is. sort of like enforcement, yeah. like just really like just some sort of brutal, uh, blunt object of, of, of political, right. you know, of political policy and do you do you just go along with that yes you do you just go along with that because it's your job you know and it's the same thing that not i don't want to draw direct parallels because obviously it's so extreme but you can understand why people eventually found themselves as guards in concentration camps and with you know and it became their workplace and they had pictures of their kids on the wall of the hut where they where they worked that was directly next to a facility that murdered people and you can understand and if you look at your own personality and you say like me i could look at my personality and go i am very much about following rules and i bow to authority because i'm an older child so i have that sense of authority as being the thing you should listen to i could see myself becoming sucked into that and becoming part right. of that sort of system and you rationalize it and you just go well this is what we're supposed to do it's not my fault these people are the ones that are making me do this if it wasn't for them i i wouldn't have to do this you know and you can it's easy for you to turn things around and make it about other and make it about the other person not about yourself yeah and i'm you know for for how much that i rebel against things it's like a lot of that is you know i was you know all the authority figures that i had in my life kind of betrayed me so i went like well you can't trust anyone up there so you gotta you gotta always be on the lookout and you gotta always say no and you always gotta fight this stuff yeah so you know even if some things were probably okay i would still be yeah i'd be non trusting <laughs> so yeah so uh, you know how much of how, what i feel is how i was how how i was uh brought up or yeah. what i've been through yeah how much of it is just reflexive that's right or how much yeah. you're reflecting yeah yeah anyway on the waterfront could have been a contender okay <laughs> sorry we can't say more about it nope but uh good acting mr brando yes and the final one is a uh a great i think it's a great movie and a, and a, a movie that changed hollywood for for the better 
in the okay. mid-60s. Can you guess what it is? Changed Hollywood forever in the mid-60s. Yeah. Uh, Rosemary's Baby. No, that's the end of the 60s, but that's... Oh, okay. Mid-60s. Yeah. Uh, stylistically, what it allowed people to show on film... Okay. Uh, I, I wanted to say The Graduate, but that's later as well. It's um, starring Warren Beatty. Starring Warren Beatty? Yep. Uh, 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 Fade in a way. Oh, I, I want to... Uh, summer nope, nope, on nope, the nope, roof nope, 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 and nope, nope. the thing. Bonnie the... and Clyde. Oh, Bonnie and Clyde. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, Bonnie and Clyde's great. It's a great film. It's, yeah, it's, uh, a, it's a really great film. And it's a modern film. Yes. It's like, it's sort of Hollywood's answer to, to the Godard, to Abu Dasufla, the uh, Breathless. It's, it's uh, a film that takes film language and, and moves it ahead about 50 years, mm-hmm. you know, from the stodgy, uh, you know, like, I've belabored this point, but I'm going to say it again. Like, I just find that the 50s and 60s Hollywood films are just not that great because they were stodgy, they're bloated, they're, you know, so stolid and so, so, I, I can't even describe. There's some that are good. I can, I'm not going to sure. paint them all with the same brush, obviously. I can't do that. But it's fine. A majority of those movies are just, this don't appeal to me. I just find them okay. too much, too much of a muchness. And Buddy and Clyde, what it did was it took the Hollywood movie, the big Hollywood movie, and made it small. It's a small film. Like, when you see it, mm-hmm. it's a small film. Even the ending of the film, which is a, a yeah. giant shootout, is small. Because you don't see what's – you don't see anyone who's who's murdering Bonnie and Clyde. They're firing from the bushes, basically. Okay. So, it's them that are dying. It doesn't matter what. It doesn't matter. Yeah, they're a faceless entity. They're they're the whatever. They're the they who they're are the against them. the yeah. consequences of their actions uh, being uh, visited on yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, little things like Fade on Away, coming down the stairs, not wearing underwear at the beginning of the film. Just little things where they just kind of push the boundaries, yeah. push the boundary. The way the movie's edited, the jokey parts of the film where, like, the kind of banjo, you know, yucking it up robbery sequences yeah. and stuff like that where crime was shown as a funny thing that's not, right uh, which was a real like you know real uh production code uh, fuck you right uh but then by the end they pay for it they so do you, they you, do pay for can, it yeah. but at the same time you do paint an appealing picture of, of crime mm. as a bit of a yeah. bit of a lark and a lot of fun and if you can avoid getting killed it's pretty good unless uh unless yeah unless you you picture like the consequences are inevitable at the end of, yeah you yeah. know that at the end of that road but yeah and they they do a great a great job it's beautifully shot mm-hmm. uh dialogue's nice and crisp arthur, you never know what's arthur really going to happen yeah uh, directed that film it's yeah it's a wonderful film and I, yeah the director of uh penn and teller get killed <laughs> that's right penn and teller killed arthur penn in the film mm. they didn't tell her oh <laughs> what happy father's day thank you <laughs> forever a dad once a dad always a dad mm-hmm. you know if you can't make him laugh make him groan that's, that's right. my that's my very simple simple if you can't make him laugh go under my roof my jokes <laughs> my, my roof my jokes yeah yes so my daughter say on, uh, no daddy on uh, on that film no i think i said all i want to say very about it good. it's a movie i i i rate very highly then we're going to throw this back out the to one you. time i saw it what do you guys think of uh of of, of those films yeah, please let us know. Let us know. I just want to say I really enjoyed. I, I mean, I've liked That's everyone's list, list yeah. even stuff that I didn't know. I mean, I even um, made a point of getting the Great Race to, to rewatch oh, because I just felt kind of bad. Yeah. I sort of I, I bad mouthed it from a memory of you know from grade eleven watching it, and uh, and the problem with watching films when I was in grade eleven was they did not have 
uh, letterboxing on TV at that time. Nope. So when you watched an old movie, like an old spectacle mm-hmm. film, like The Great Race or whatever, you saw it in, you know, Squeezovision, Pan and Scan, half the, you know, like or two thirds of the screen missing and all the action and stuff like that occurring off camera or weirdly panning for, you know, because yeah. they had to like move the, physically move the camera across the negative in order to pick up what was happening in the, in the action. Blah. So, you know, those movies, you know, suffer from that a little in many cases. But here's the thing. I saw Mad, 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 it's a Mad, 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 Mad World on letter on Letterboxd Laserdisc way back in the day. Yeah. And I still thought it was terrible. <laughs> so, there we go. <laughs> I'm standing by that opinion. No one can shake me from that. Yeah, I think one, of the, be- one of the best cr- things... Crashing about- cars are not inherently funny. I think one of the best things about uh, doing these is uh, you are maybe like leading people to movies they haven't seen, maybe something you're going to yeah. try. Uh, dip a, dip your feet in another pond and mm-hmm. experiment a, a bit and see see what you think. You know, yeah. that's... Uh, I, I'm definitely going to be watching some of these movies when I get a chance. Yeah, and I'm enjoying... Also, the other thing I'm enjoying is just like that kind of... The kookiness of people's lists... Like, you know, it's what you like, and so I'm not judging you because... No, no, you're not saying what are the best movies of all time. No. You're saying what do you what like. What I personally like, and I just like the mixture that people have of just, you know, Viva Savi and Diner and The Right Stuff. Yeah. And it's just, you know, and The Little Princess, which seems like right out of left field is, in the whole it list. It is good, yeah. But we've had that a few times, like Mary's List of all these movies with crazy twists, plot twists, and, and surprising elements to movies, and then The Party. Which basically is, <laughs> is her plot twist on the list. Yeah, you know, this have this movie that's completely unlike every yeah. other film she talks about uh, or chose. You know, that appeals to her. So it's just, it's it's really interesting. It's been it's been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. We have more lists to do. People have been has still been sending us lists. So and I've been appreciating it. And we're not going to stop until you stop. So yeah. either how, stop or continue. How can people contact us, Dave? So what can happen is you uh, pick up a pen. Write us a letter. Right. Throw it out the window. <laughs> Throw it That's out the window. That's not how we live now. <laughs> you can contact us uh, by email at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. Woo! Speaking of sneakydragon.com, yes, that is our website Oh, where you will find a comments board and where, like M. Smith, who has written to us for episode 29, sorry, 28, 93, and 200 and whatever it was that you wrote to us <laughs> wow. for the list. I just know this because I I had to find your email, oh, so wow, it gave me a list of the, the okay. times you've written. Yeah, you can do what M. Smith did and leave your comments on, on our message board. We appreciate that. You can contact us on Facebook. You can contact us on, by via Twitter at sneaky underscore dragon. And you will find us on Tumblr as well. I don't know what the communication system is like on Tumblr. It's seem a to ask, be its thing. Ask, ask me. There's ask like me a, a question. Thing, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, this doesn't seem to be very helpful for this. But yeah, send us send us your lists because it's so much fun. Really been enjoying it from everyone. Even if you send us a list in the past, you're welcome to do it again if if you think yep. your list has changed in some degree. Because, and if you pass David on the street, just yell your list at him. Yeah, right in my face. Yeah, that's what I, I always appreciate. That nothing I like more than being yelled at. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, but Thanks wink while you do it, so you know he knows it's uh, it's, it's ironic. It's, it's, it's ironical. That's right. That that would be very soothing to have someone uh-huh. screaming at you while winking at the same time. <laughs> that would make me feel great. Yeah. Hey, stop it! Wink, wink, wink. <laughs> yeah, make me sick. Wink, 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 wink. <laughs> so, what is this family life? That's right. So there you go. So I like the front. Ooh. Wink, 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 wink. <laughs> so everyone, my my oh. I didn't say one thing about that I wanted to talk about on the show today. Well, okay. And I'm going to bring it up just before we end the show. All right. Which is that I, I mentioned it to you earlier, but I thought it was, be, it was sort of fun. Which I went to get my... Did I mention getting my passport? Yes. On the show? Uh, you started with that, yes. But you didn't really oh. go anywhere with it. Oh, okay. Well, because you interrupted me. Okay. Um, no, it was interesting because 
it's, well, for one thing, it's been 10 years since I went to the consulate. So I went a, f- a couple months ago, because that's what you used to do. You just went to the consulate, right. and you went in, and you went upstairs, and then you got your And you sing, uh, I want to live in America. And then you get your American passport. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but now you have to make an appointment to go there. Ugh. So I made an appointment for today, went, drove down there, got there, and then there's two lines. One line is for the poor suckers who are trying to get into the United States. Okay. And then there's the... The line where as you walk along it, they throw confetti at you, and there's people cheering and applauding as you walk along this beautiful red carpet, all the way up to the security guards. This is for American Citizen Services. Okay. They're like, I'm an American citizen, everyone. That's right. You're doing the right keep stuff throwing, walk. Keep throwing this glitter on me. Keep keep this music playing. Da, 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 That's just for the president, but okay. Yeah, fair enough. It's like I'm the president at this sure. moment. And then I went up. There's a security guard. He's like... Where are you going? I said, I've got an appointment. He goes, okay. Then he says, do you have a cell phone on you? I said, I do not. And he says, good for you. And then he says, go to that guy over there. And I went up to the guy over there and he says, where are you going? And I said, I have an appointment at 10 o'clock. And he said, okay. And then he went and checked it. Yeah. And he said, actually, the other guy checked it too. But this guy also checked it. They have, yeah. they have to double check it. Sure. He double checked it. Scratched me. I said, do you have any of these items? And there's like this big list of like cell phone, radio. Dildo. This is weird. Yeah. You can't have a dildo. Knife. Yeah. Explosives. Yeah. Gasoline. And underneath, that's not a knife. It's, this is a knife. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the Australian embassy. They keep adding <laughs> that onto the... And this is weird. Like, okay, you can see like cell phone. You yeah. could accidentally bring a cell phone. But if you are intentionally carrying gasoline around, are you going to yeah. admit that you have gasoline hmm. in your pocket? That you have a little bag of gasoline that you like to walk around with? Huh. That's, that's weird. Okay. It's weird. It's a weird yeah. habit. Yep. If that's what you do. I don't know, Ian. but you like huffing it. Ian. So, yes. But no, I didn't have any of those things. So then, then you walk up the stairs. Yeah, and you said to him, how much gasoline? That's right. <laughs> and I kind of rub my pocket self-consciously. <laughs> uh, then you have to walk up the stairs. And then when you get these, you get up this flight of stairs, you get to the top. Then they, they do like a body scan or whatever. You have to walk sure. through a thing. You have to take off, you don't take off your shoes because this is not to humiliate you like at the airport. Right. You just take off your belt. Okay. Any, anything in your pockets. And you put them into the into a tray with your right, and they, jacket. And they shred it. <laughs> in front of your eyes. They shred your wallet. And then they run it through the machine. And then you go through the machine. And then everything's good. So then you get set. And you have to stand on a mat. You can't just walk and stand in front of the elevator. Okay. No, sir, go stand on the mat over there. So then you stand on the mat. By the way, has the emblem of the United States on it. and says the United States. And you're like, isn't it disrespectful to stand on this emblem? But anyway, I'll stand here. So then you stand there. And then a security guard controls the elevator. So he comes down. And then he steps off the elevator, and then he talks to you. And actually, he talked more to this little boy who was there. I was really resentful mm. that he was paying so much attention to this boy. Okay, he has vans. He's a little three-year-old boy with vans. Like, whatever. What about me? Exactly. Uh, and then his mom was pregnant. Like, <laughs> fuck off. So we all got in the ele- elevator together. Gross. Rode up. Yeah. Rode up to the 20th floor. The funny thing was, the lady assumed we were together. She oh. sent us to the same window. <laughs> So I can walk along. I'm like, wait a second, this doesn't work. How come I'm going to the same window? I said right. to the lady, I, said, I think that woman thought we were together. So I had to walk back and say, I wasn't with that other person. You, you kind of joined us as one. Are like, you sure? Are you sure? That it you... might be a legal marriage, though. That's I'm not sure thinking. the power. Yeah, they I have think there. you got Winona Ryder yeah. and Keanu, uh, Keanu Reeves. Yeah. So then. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. You got to tell your wife about that. Oh, I don't think we should mention it. Well, that's big of you. <laughs> this is big of me. Uh, so <laughs> we can't write this stuff, folks. <laughs> You can't write it, because if you wrote it, you would stop. 
<laughs> so then I get my own wicket and I went over there. Okay. Made it sticky. <laughs> Made it quite sticky despite my presence. <laughs> and then the, I handed over all my stuff to this person. Sure. And then he got mad at me. Why? Because I don't have a social insurance number. Okay. Or social security number, I should yeah, say. Yeah, you don't have original SIN. Don't have an SSN. Oh, SSN. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as it is in the States. And he's like, you should have this. You should be filing your taxes, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I haven't done it for 50 years. No one ever said anything about this. Why is this a thing yeah. now? But apparently it's a thing now. So I, now I have to go down to Bellingham. Yeah. And then after I get my passport, he pointed out to me, when did you get your passport? Go down to Bellingham and get a social security number. And I was like, okay. So I have to do that next. That's my next wow. painful odyssey. But uh, so then. Check with an accountant before about that. That's yeah. what he. That's what he said to do as well. Yeah. Do you so have you an account? To, I do have a. Well, I have a bookkeeper. Okay. Check. Check. Check on that because you, you you might be all right. But go ahead. Uh, I know. I think he's right. I think you, as an American citizen, you do have to file taxes. Even if you don't have to pay taxes. No, I understand. But you have to file yeah. your income. Yeah. So anyway, I uh, I would do all that stuff. It turns out because of the forthcoming mail strike. They're not mailing out passports. Mm. So now I have to go back down there and pick it up in a couple of weeks. Oh, in Bellingham? No, just at, at the consulate. Oh, okay, very good. So then I went uh, went and paid, which is always nerve-wracking because I was using my credit card, sure. which is you know often not doesn't have enough money on it to allow me to pay. Anyway, that's not important. Right. So then and then, then I had to wait because they, they uh, cancel your passport, but they return it to you. Yes. So I had to go sit in a waiting room. And luckily... They provide you with reading material because you're not allowed to bring your phone in. Mm-hmm. So what's there to do? But they had New Yorkers to read, so I was reading the New Yorker. I read okay. read a review of A Star Is Born and uh, a man and a man, old man, an old man and a, and a gun, old man and the gun. Okay, Robert Redford film. Speaking of, yeah, and um, and then also uh, I was looking for cartoons that you and Pia might have right. done, but and I couldn't find. Couldn't find any. Oh, son of a bitch! So I was really, I'm kind of dubious now about, oh, the, about your whole fair. story. All right, that's right. This New Yorker story doesn't okay. check out. Sure. All right. We'll uh, talk. We'll talk later. <laughs> and uh, shut up. <laughs> and then, um, and then they called me. Yeah. And then I went back, and then I got my passport and stuff like that. Got reminded again. Yeah. Okay. That I should have my SSN. third time. I forgot to mention. He also told me when I was paying that I should make sure I get my social insur- social security number. Yeah. Said I've been here 15 years and I file every year. You said he said you've he been said that he said I've been here. This guy I was talking yeah. to he said I've been here working in the concept for 15 years and I file every year. And you said to him I've been alive for 50 years and I haven't. I win. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Fuck you. Also, math. what's it to you? It's apparently very important to them. Okay. Law, being the law, mm. is important to people who work in a consulate. But not I can to, see that. But not to the president. They deal with people who are trying to be tricky all the time. But not the president. And they don't want me to be tricky. They're fine with the president being tricky. I know, that's the thing. There's tricky dick I already. I, I don't think, they, that, I don't that think anyone cares anymore. I think it's all going to hell. So it's fine. He's just the president. Hmm. He's just a paid figurehead. Don't worry about it. All right. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so then... <laughs> okay. <laughs> so after that... I got uh, got my passport, my canceled passport back, <laughs> and then it's kind of like you just get put in a sl- a slide out of the place. Like mm-hmm. there's no more special treatment. You don't get a security guard looking after you. And then it's just no. like get on these elevators and get the fuck out of here. Just sure. go down back down to the ground floor. So that's what you do. You just go down to the ground floor, and then you go out into the sweet but, sweet air. But while I was waiting on the elevator, this guy gets on. You know, like we're, we start we're on the whatever floor, and we go down, and we're on this floor. And this guy gets on. And he's got a little caddy, like a little wheeled caddy that he's carrying around that's full of paper, uh, full of toilet paper. Mm. And he just wheels it on and he just goes down to the next level and wheels it off and leaves. I turned to someone and said, 
that toilet paper is really going places. <laughs> I have no idea why I said that. It's probably the least welcome comment in anyone's life. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I got no reaction. So then uh, we got down to the ground floor and then I, I left. I felt like um, Ralphie being put down the slide by Santa Claus sure, at the end of yeah, the Christmas yeah. story. Or the end of that scene in the Christmas story. Boot in the face, down, down your Yeah, slide. all that toilet paper now is being recalled because uh, the little piece stuck to the president's shoe. <laughs> now it's got to be like non-stick, you, all of it. You, you're really obsessed about... About toilet paper on the shoe? Yeah. That was pretty hilarious. I didn't know that. Was this a thing? Yeah. Oh. He was boarding Air Force One and he had toilet paper on his, uh, on his shoe. <laughs> and no one told him. Because why would you? Yeah. What a mook. What a maroon. But good on you for all that stuff. So have you, uh, when do you go to Bellingham? Uh, well, once I get my passport in a couple of weeks, I guess I'll have to head down there and... Uh, Pick up some donuts. Is there donuts, in, is there donuts in Bellingham? Sure. Oh, rocket donuts. Yeah. No, they're pretty good. Yeah, go get some donuts and a passport. Mm. Don't get it. Don't get your passport all sticky, though. <laughs> and go to Hemingway's books. Now. Oh, not Hemingway's. Um, Henderson's books. There you are. Hemingway's in Zanabasford. You can make a day of it. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be great. So okay. yeah, that was uh, that was my little adventure. I just wanted to mention that because it was a bit of fun today. I got to miss work in the morning, drive to the embassy or the uh, consulate. Yeah. Get uh, made to feel like I was some sort of a possible criminal. Yeah. Uh, in several different ways, and then uh, get thrown out. Yeah, it was I, fun. I remember when I went to um, the emergency room in um, Burbank. Uh, I, I had insurance. Yes. Uh, because we got it before we left. Uh, but they asked me for my social insurance number, and my social insurance number in Canada is different than the one yeah. in the states. Different amount. Oh, of mine numbers. is. Uh, no. Yeah, different amount of numbers. Yeah, and they didn't understand that, and they went like, "No, but what is it? No, this is it. Yeah, yeah. but no, it's got to be this amount of numbers." Well, I can't just make it that amount of numbers. Yeah, this is what it is. And, and to me, it was like, "You've never had a Canadian here, <laughs> it's Burbank, ever? It's Burbank. Yeah, no, never. Canadians Canadian. so good at Burbank. Yeah, you raise a good point. Why hey, would you go there? But, okay, just one more thing about zip codes, sure. or the, uh, not zip codes, the, uh, no, this is zip codes I'm thinking yeah. about, sorry. Because in the States, if you tried, in the past, if you tried to pay with your credit card at a, at a gas pump, yep. at the pump, you had to enter your zip code. Oh. Which I do not have a zip code. Nope. So, I wonder if I just put 0000, zero, 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 zero if it would have worked. But anyway, I never I always uh, go with 02134. I also uh, made up my mom. Because that's for Zoom. Oh, <laughs> I also made up my mom and dad's address as well. Oh, good. Because I have no idea what their address is. I just drive there. I don't know what the... I don't send them letters. The hell? It's my mom and dad. Dear mother. Dear mother. I have been at the consulate for three hours. <laughs> I miss you. And Terribly. The, that's right. Your son, David Jr. Beauregard. Dedrick. Beauregard. Dedrick Esquire. The lines are infinitely Dear mother. long. <laughs> I'm surviving on I, hard tack and hope. I brought a pocket full of gasoline and they have put me in a special room, mother. <laughs> that sounds like a great beginning to a song. I brought yeah. a pocket full of gasoline. Yeah, that was the Spin Doctor's follow-up <laughs> album. Pocket full of gasoline. Okay, everyone. I think we've uh, given you more than a dollar's worth of entertainment. Mm -hmm. And if you expect anything more than that from us, you are mistaken. Yep. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.